0: Hello and welcome to Fans, the podcast hosted by me, Sachin Nakrani, in which I speak to people I like, find interesting, or both, about being football fans. And joining me for this episode to talk all things Crystal Palace is comedian, writer, and first guest in fan's history whose dad has blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <Yes. laughs> it's Elliot Steele. I was wondering why you asked me <laughs> and not him. <laughs> uh, the truth is revealed. Uh, oh, brilliant. So how, why did he block you? Why did your? Well, should we first say your dad is? Most people will know, but let's say anyway, your should dad... I text him and find out? Well, I can tell you. I know exactly oh, why. Right. He, he probably won't remember. I'm, so, I'm such an obscure human being. I'm sure he doesn't remember. We should say Elliot's dad is Mark Steele, the fantastic fellow comedian. He didn't write up. And, yeah, he blocked me. And I'll tell you, what, I've written it all down. I went back and checked what happened. So, yeah, Mark Steele has blocked me on Twitter, which is a real shame because I think he's brilliant in everything he does, but he's fully entitled to block me. But what happened was, um, so Palace beat Liverpool in uh, – sorry, Palace played Liverpool in March 2016 at Salah's Park, Premier League game. Um, I'm a Liverpool fan, as most people listening to this podcast will know. And we won 2-1. It was a bit of a controversial uh, game. Ben
1: Teke dived. I was there with my mate, Jacob.
0: There you go, yeah, it was yeah. a Benteke okay dive, so, um, yeah, well, what I'll say is there was minimal contact, but, yeah, he dived. Uh, so, anyway, Palace took the lead through, let me go through this again, Joe Ledley on 48 minutes, uh, Mil- James Milner was then sent off for us, it looked like Palace were on course to get the first win. Uh, first league win of 2016.
1: Yeah, this was an awful game.
0: Yeah, then Alex McCarthy made a proper howler, which let Robert Firmino, uh, Roberto Firmino yeah, equalise. which was
1: a shame, because he was actually the better keeper than Hennessy at the time. He just made that one mistake, yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah,
0: he sort yeah. of rushed out to sort of clear the ball yeah, and sort of pushed just... the ball onto Firmino, and then he sort of went round him and scored. Anyway, it looked like it was then going to end, like into a, um, end as a one-all draw, and then right at the death, uh, in fact, in six minutes of stoppage time, Ben Tecco. Uh, scored a penalty that got Liverpool uh, a 2-1 win. It was a penalty he, inverted comments won himself, having been fouled by Damien Delaney. As Elliot says, it was a bit of a dive. Anyway, Palace fans, quite rightly furious, including your dad, Mark, on Twitter. And he made some sort of comment. I think it was either after the game or the day after. The game was on a Sunday, remember? So it was either Sunday evening or Monday morning about cheating scousers or something and me feeling a bit pent up I, I, uh, I responded which I don't normally do I let things like that go but I felt a bit kind of because I was, I was at the game as well I was yeah. in the way end so I think I had the sort of the adrenaline still rushing through me so I responded and your dad blocked me uh, which what did you respond with I can't remember I was trying to find it but obviously it's hard to yeah. see because it got blocked but I probably just told him to shut up or something uh, and he blocked me and uh yeah which was a blow because I said I your dad's your dad's <laughs> outstanding uh big fan of his but equally I fully respect uh his uh his decision to block me as someone who I've blocked over 2000 people on right. Twitter so I um I can't hardly criticize anyone for blocking me but um I
1: will me to him about that, I'm sorry they blocked
0: you well, he's nice no no as I said he's fully entitled on Twitter you know as I said I'm a blocker I'm a Serial blocker. So I, I actually respect blockers. So I actually respect him for blocking me because he doesn't need to part with any abuse. So. Oh, I
1: quite like I quite like getting abuse on Twitter.
0: Yeah, we were saying this before we start recording. I'm I
1: mean. I'm quite a big fan of. Uh, I I mean I tweet some very like, uh, inflammatory sort of uh, things, like and so it's it's not really I I kind of just put it down to like yeah who cares like it's just it's just someone on Twitter it's just. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really exist. It's It's not not the real real world. It's not the real world. It's not the real world, no.
0: No, I love blocking. It just gives me a little surge of sense of power. Um, uh, Yeah. And also, I I just think, and as I'm fully with your dad on this, you know, you don't need to put up with abuse on Twitter. And so, you know, if you want to sort of censor that in your own way by never seeing that person again, then go for it, really. You know what I mean? So... I so said I don't think I was particularly abusive, but I probably did something to shut up or something. So
1: politics and uh, football discourse on Twitter is uh, is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that, like nobody, you've never seen anyone go. Oh yeah, do you know what that was? A good point. Yeah, like it will that like that never happens. It's just a completely disgusting. I I try to not actually look. I look at Twitter, but like I try not to look at anything like comedy related hmm. or to do with politics because it's just like. People screaming about Brexit, like oh woe for it, all of this stuff, and it will put you in this mindset that like oh the world's awful. Mm. And you go out and you speak to people, and it's all right. I mean, th- that's a very privileged thing to say, as we're in a lovely pub in Crystal Palace as Ukraine is just getting invaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there it sucks or well, yeah. there you'd rather be on Twitter. Yeah. As you drink
0: that, your latte and I drink my orange juice. I think <laughs> tro- Russian troops have just entered Ukraine so yeah who are we to talk about how bad the world is or how bad it isn't. Um, no I'm with you I and mean, we've done an episode about Twitter on this podcast about fo- football fans on Twitter and I'm very much in the mindset of keeping it light Not getting overly serious Mm. because, as we were also saying before we started recording, I I personally think football discourse, certainly on social media, has become far too serious and far too angry. And I think people have forgotten that football's meant to be fun. And um, yeah, so the people I really love on Twitter are the people who... In all aspects, whether it's comedy, politics, TV, f- sport, football, whatever specifically, who just who just have a laugh and keep it as light as possible. Yeah,
1: there's a yeah, there's a few people at the Crystal Palace fan base who could learn with doing that. <laughs> so i am sure you now I'm talking about. There's a few people that I like take it a little bit like very seriously.
0: Yeah, it's just a bit like well, come I think on. That's in all fan bases, isn't it? Yeah, yeah some people. Who, it's, uh... it's it's
1: an interest. That's why I like football because it's kind of like just it's a little look at how the world works. That, like, whenever people talk about, like, because I'm I'm quite a a political person, I try not to be, I guess I'm left wing, but I try to listen to, like, right wing viewpoint if somebody's saying it, you know, like, when the whole Joe Rogan thing was happening, I was Mm. actually, I'm actually quite a big fan of Joe Rogan, but I'm not, like, this anti-vax person. I felt like a lot of people I knew were like, no, 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 this is quite a reasonable dude. But then there's, like, this fan base that, like, ruins it. And that's sort of the same with anything. And football is the prime example of that. Like most Millwall fans, like i got mates who are Millwall fans and they're actually they're perfectly reasonable, nice people. They just go down and watch the football. But for some reason, a part of their fan base, especially like the younger mm. people who want to take it back to the hooliganism, ruin it for them and ruin it for everyone else mm. and tarnish it with this yeah, yeah. tarnish it with this sort of like this is what we are it, which I think I think Mill will bring on themselves a little bit actually not to you know I, I do think like part of the whole clubs the clubs really try to stamp it out but it's just kind of given up for what yeah. I can see because it's but I, and I think that's the thing with football is that it, it's sort of a little look at the world of like I, I now don't take when I'm at the football I played to an alright standard as a kid but like an all right terrible standard and I had friends who went on and like played for academies and stuff and you realize how little you know when you then watch football with them mm. or you talk about like a player mm. not doing well in front of them and they're like no what are you on about he's got to move that it no the whole mm-hmm. point of him not moving forward there is because he's blocking his right ru- and you just go oh you watch this so differently yeah, uh, you, yeah. you, you watch this completely yeah. differently to how I watched this. And that, that, so I stopped like thinking I had a, an opinion that, mm-hmm. uh, until Alan Pardew managed Palace. <laughs> and then you'd go, why is he doing that? Surely, surely if you take... I remember we were playing United and it was 1-1 and he took off James McArthur, who has been, for the last few seasons, a key player yeah, to yeah. Palace's success. He took James McArthur off and everyone went, that's a bit odd. And then he brought on Fraser Campbell and everyone went, that's a really odd decision. He's going for this. And the second he took him off, uh, I think Pogba or either Ibrahimovic—I think it was Pogba—just walked through where MacArthur would have been and yeah, scored. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone, and it was—it was like a real like. As a fan, I shouldn't be able to see yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. going to cause a problem. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, That's incredible. I remember. I remember uh, Michael Han, who's a he's a Guardian journalist and uh, a QPR fan, and I always remember him. Um. Um writing a, an article when Neil Warnock was QPR manager obviously he managed Palace for a bit as well and uh, when he brought QPR into the Premier League and then they sort of stunk the place out and he got sacked soon after and I remember Michael Han, who was like going to Loftus Road regular that time writing a piece about a piece of illuminating how out of his depth Neil Warnock was and, he, and I always remember this anecdote he said that he was sat sort of quite close to the dugouts and QPR were playing some I think it might be Norwich but it may not have been and Cuba was sort of on top of the game and, you know, doing quite well. And then suddenly, Nor- if it was Norwich, they just suddenly took over and, and they were like one 0 down and suddenly they were like two or three one up. And Warnock turned to his assistant at the time and go, what's happened? How come we're three one down? He goes, we're getting absolutely slaughtered in midfield. What the hell's going on? What's going on? And his assistant sort of looked and went, Neil, they've gone from 4-4-2 to 3-5-2. And basically, and Michael had heard this because he'd been sat near the dugout. And, and like Neil Warnock hadn't realised the opposition had changed their formation and you sort of hear things like that, and you think obviously I respect it for anyone involved in football. Because like you, you know, anyone who's made it at any level knows more about football than I'll ever know. But also there are people there are like that part you story, the moments in football I think where you realise, God, it's scary that I actually know as much than the person involved professionally, or they've missed something absolutely massive. And I guess they are just human afterwards as yeah. well. Like they have flaws and they miss things as well. But yeah, I think there are those moments where you go, shit, this person's. Uh, doesn't know more than me and that's a bit scary
1: yeah I like, I like the psychology of, uh, of sport like I'm really into that and uh, because uh, there's a really uh, for anyone who's like yeah, I know might not be into this sort of thing but like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu there's a coach who uh, completely changed their game called John Danahar and his uh way of looking at things was very different. Mm. And he's actually like a philosophy professor. He was like a philosophy professor and he sort of started jiu-jitsu and his way of looking at it completely changed it. And it's really interesting when I listen to a podcast with him on and he talks about the site that like what most of it's doing is like, he's like, I can get any student to a level where they can compete at the highest level in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I actually, what I look (coughs) for is a mindset that not many people have and he's like and and that's what i find interesting is like when you watch england the semi-final and the final which were just repeats essentially yeah um we go one nil up and you saw the team go oh no oh no we it's were- like the euros obviously yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Euros, and, yeah. And the euros and the world cup when trippier got that goal yeah yeah you yeah. then yeah. saw the team go oh we might actually do it yeah like the and the the breakdown of like not mm. knowing what to do and just letting a team push on you. And and I find I find those things about football as well really interesting. And that that's why I like, um I find players uh I'm trying to think of a really good example, someone who's like a really good leader in football uh, football. Someone like a uh, Bisquetes or someone like that. So uh, he he was just always very strong at like sort of leading a team mm. I felt. Like you yeah, like I was listening to Jason I was talking to someone about Crystal Palace, quite like on the board at Crystal Palace, about Jason Puncheon, and I went. Mean, Jason Puncheon wasn't just a good footballer. They were like he was like having a second captain in that dressing room. They were like he would just he would just gear people up mm. for games, and they were like you couldn't you couldn't put a price on that so then when you hear fans go why well, we still got punching yeah. there's probably something to it that you don't you yeah. just played football manager yeah, yeah. so you do, you're not looking at it in the yeah, same way yeah. that like a, a manager will look yeah.
0: at it yeah no, that's a good point absolutely yeah there are, there, are, there are people who bring more to a team than you realise as a spectator because mm. they're doing things behind the scenes Um, we will talk loads about Crystal Palace there's a lot to say even though uh, you are uh horrendously young how old are you again 25 25 that makes me sick as who's about to turn 41 um so your time sporting palace is not especially long but even in the time you sport them a lot's happened so we've got a lot to get through before we do that i just do want to talk about your dad one more yeah. time and specifically um you both appeared on roast battle yeah uh which for anyone who doesn't know is, is a show i really really love presented by jimmy Carr, it's two comedians go head to head and um basically instead of like trying to outdo each other with, with rap, trying to outdo each other with jokes, and you took your dad on, or your dad took you on, however you want to look at it. Uh, it was a brilliant episode, um, especially enjoyed in mocking your faux um, South London gangster <laughs> accent <laughs> and pointing out that you were born and raised in a semi-detached house, 100 yards from South Norwood Lake, where they go yachting, which I thought was a brilliant line. Um, yeah, I'm just sort of fascinated how that came about. Did, did the producers... Did they contact you as a parent and say we'd love? We've never had a dad and son take each other on. Was one of you more up for it than the other? Yeah,
1: basically, the, they came up with the the show. They the, the first season of it was actually the best season of it because they kind of let you do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem they had is I think the show was more successful than they anticipated it being. And then when a show like that becomes more successful, it's like, it's got more eyes on it. So they're like, we need to tone down the offensiveness. Mm. And that actually took away the heart of what, the uh, the whole point of a roast battle, like I won't roast battle someone who isn't my friend. Uh, I've done a few of them because they're actually a thing of love. Mm. You're going up there and you're going to be horrible about each other, but in this skilled way. And it's like a really lovely thing to do. And yeah, so the producers sort of came to me and my dad and were like, look, uh, are you both up for this? And we were like, yeah, sure. And uh, we were like, you know, are they going to, are they going to fuck it up? Are they going to, and then we went out and they were, they were just brilliant. The people mm. producing Comedy Central were so good. Elliot, as they'll here in a minute, you like to talk like this with a South London gangster thing, you know And you advertised one of your shows once as tales of being brought up on a rough, Croydon estate. Elliot, you were brought up in a semi-detached house a hundred yards from South Norwood Lakes where they go yachting. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine those tales must have been, it was like ghetto blood like when a man has got to walk a minute from his crib to go ceiling and You get Last joke. I, I've always thought it's, um, It's an honour to have a lucky son and you've done me proud with luck because so many times I've just looked at splodges on the sheets and thought any one of them sperms would have been better. And Jimmy Carr is like, like I was saying, you know when you see someone and they're just professional, like they're just a little, like Jimmy Carr is the most professional man I've Mm. ever met. Like he is just when you when you meet people in comedy sometimes and you go oh that's why you are that's why you're there yeah, yeah. and I, like we you t- we turn up at like three and records at like eight so you just kind of sat around all day Jimmy cars already there oh, practicing really? going through lines wow comes up to like me or knows stuff about me like and is really nice guy yeah, as well yeah. and then like I was just like oh that's why you're you you are just on it yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah we shouldn't talk about jimmy Carr too much otherwise we'll both get cancelled uh, <laughs> <laughs> godspeed jimmy take care whatever, wherever you're hiding at the moment um yeah i should say the other thing as well absolutely brilliant um i'm so delighted we're doing this we're doing this face to face uh this is only the third episode of fans out of 26 that have done face to face the other two were with kevin sampson and chris skull um Obviously difficult with COVID and everything going on, so I totally appreciate why most people want to do it remotely. But yeah, you're well up for, for meeting face-to-face. We both live in South London, so it's very convenient uh, to meet up. And we're doing it on a slightly overcast, but relatively uh, mild um, and not particularly cold Tuesday afternoon. In the heart of Crystal Palace as in well. The though, he- really? and exactly, yeah. We're in the heart of Crystal Palace. So we're in the perfect place to talk about the Eagles and in an absolutely lovely venue, Westo House. Do you want to, I know you've, you've got a long history with this place. You chose to come here, and, and you've been coming here for many years. Do you want to yeah, give us a, a story about it? It's,
1: it's a lovely part. I can't actually give you the story about it, otherwise it probably get shut down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah. Let's not mention that other thing that you mentioned, yeah. But, yeah, why, let's, you, let's keep it to why did you choose to come here. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, it, it's,
1: I, it's actually a really, it's actually a really, it's just, I, I didn't realise they had it all done up as well. It's actually yeah. really, I, I thought it was, Crystal Palace is a great place to go out drinking, like on Friday or Saturday night like especially in like South London like I know the gentrification of South London does annoy a lot of people and it it is there are things of it like the rise in rents and stuff and the cost of drinks that are horrendous but the quality of places that are opening Mm. like it's just it's just it, there's a place there's it, it, that's what's great about south london is there's this beautiful pub here there's the gypsy hill brewery down the road and then there's a morley's right outside <laughs> like that's it's, like it's the perfect it's the perfect All place. Of life is here yeah yeah i, I uh, always tell a story of like my favorite thing about gentrification of south london i was with a with a girlfriend at the time and we were we we're in morley's on brixton hill at two in the morning both having out of place and it was like a queue and they were taking quite a while <laughs> There's always my fingers, like South London like for like the sort of oh it's a bit rough and all this. It's it the 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 bad side of it just happens to the bad side of it. It yeah, won't yeah. happen to you unless you get involved.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, there was this like yuppie guy at the front of the queue and uh they were taking a while and he was like uh he turned to the queue and like as a as a comic, I appreciate it was trying to get a laugh, he went like Oh, uh, I thought it was meant to be called fast food and then you heard four like big utes at the back just be like "I oh, are you talking to boss man like that bruv and like the whole queue just sort of looked at that guy like you fucked like, that. like come outside and talk to me like that yeah. and everyone was just like
0: ooh no <laughs> you had to open your mouth didn't you two wells colliding brilliant no it's it's absolutely lovely but i've never i mean I, I i'm a north london boy originally but i've lived in south london since 2009 got married married to a south london girl moved down here living Beckenham. got here very easily couple of buses um so i've not been to this part so are we norwood technically no
1: this is crystal palace this is palace, upper, yeah. this is upper norwood upper, but everyone yeah. calls it crystal palace nobody okay. calls it uh, upper norwood yeah yeah so uh, so yeah south norwood upper norwood then west norwood Western okay yeah. sort of tops hillway yeah, yeah.
0: so yeah we're yeah Chris Palace norwood area i've not, not been here myself before this pub is absolutely, yes, yeah, a gorgeous pub, really sort of big, um, I don't know how to describe it, sort of lots of oak, lots of oak, lots of brick, just a really sort of classy place. And I've got to say thank you to Kia, uh, who works here, and I messaged her after Elliot suggested meeting here to see if we could meet her. And she not only said yes straight away, she's given us the entire top floor. Oh no, great. We're in the, we've got the entire top floor to ourselves, there's nobody else here, loads of sort of space, an empty bar near us as well got drinks and downstairs in the main bar there's bingo going on as well which is just absolutely <laughs> lovely it's just a properly friendly warm community cool pub it's got a bit of everything so now thank you Keir thank you to West Westhouse for hosting us and uh, yeah I'm delighted we're doing this face-to-face as well and I should say I'm especially like to be doing an episode about Palace not just because um, I think they're an interesting fascinating clubs give me a chance to meet Elliot club I know well because I live in a local area but also because The main artwork for this podcast, if anyone obviously will have seen it in some form or another, is it's kind of a red and black tinted shot of fans celebrating. Those are Crystal Palace fans. Oh, really? Yeah. uh, I think it was your game against... uh, Do you remember when you beat Man City at the Etienne and Andros Townsend scored that? Oh, the
1: greatest goal ever scored. The greatest
0: goal ever scored, that incredible volley. I think it's from that game. But basically, when I set up this podcast, I was Googling. I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted a picture of of fans celebrating. Just a big sort of wide shot. So, I Googled images. And that was without that the best one and I as I got a bit of, I got a bit of love for Palace so I thought was a, go I was, with that one I was
1: having to listen to that game at Victoria station I had a tube to get somewhere and uh, I think I had to get a train to a gig and uh, like from Houston or something it was a saturday wasn't it? I yeah, yeah and yeah. I I had to like on the radio and talk sport and like just walking around Victoria station like going we're not going to beat them yeah. Like we're not like listening to the last ten minutes. That 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 is the greatest thing as a football fan, especially when you support a team like Palace and you beat something someone like City. When you're going, no, that last yeah. ten minutes is that that is football.
0: Did you get a sense listening to how good Townsend's goal was? Did the commentators capture? Did you then watch your match a day later and go, "That's as Isn't good it? as I thought it was." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah.
1: I, I saw it on Twitter. Like as it, oh, uh, people okay, put it out and, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, I couldn't. I the only. uh the only the the greatest goal I've well I'll come on to it later, but the greatest goal I've ever seen live was Darren Ambrose against United. I bunked off school to go see that game uh, up at Manchester, up at Old Trafford. Oh when yes, we were in I the remember that. Yeah, yeah. From that forty-five yards yeah, yeah.
0: out, Yeah, was that that's a League Cup tie? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, quarter,
1: yeah. Uh, the quarter final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I travelled up, and uh, that was. I think that was one of the greatest moments of my life mm. when when that goal went in it was uh, just, just because yeah. we, we went up there like I oh, will lose 5-0 yeah, yeah. like that because yeah. I, I did that I, I went to watch us v city when we were in the League in the League Cup with my mate and we lost like 5 or 6-1 but mm. it just came funny yeah. like cause it was the League Cup yeah. and we travelled like Seven hours up on one of those awful yeah. foot away day coaches, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we just lost. And it just came, it just came funny to us, mm. like so. It, we went up there with that thing, and then it came up. Oh no, we might actually win. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is where the heartbreak happens, but yeah. we were f- thankfully we won that game. Yeah.
0: Was that David Moyes' season? I think it was a Moyes' season. No, it was, was Alex it?
1: Ferguson. Was he Fergie's season? It was, it was uh, Fergie. It's where he saw you. Kn- it's where he saw Zaha. Yeah.
0: Oh, I see. Right. He then
1: left the season after, so yeah. he did the season after won the league and yeah. left. So yeah. that would
0: be in 2012, 2013, I think. Because mm, uh...
1: two thousand ten, I believe it was.
0: Oh, right. Far back as that. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, I just remember. I do remember watching that game. i tell you, you had the yellow, uh, yellow kit on, yeah. I think, at Old Trafford. And, yeah, it was a great goal from, from Ambrose. We will talk about Zaha, absolutely, later on. Um, so, brilliant. Let's sort of get into the meat of it, really. And often on this podcast, I ask people why they support the team they support. But I think with you, it's pretty obvious. Your dad's a massive Palace fan and you're from South London. It's as yeah. simple as
1: that. I live, like, 10-minute walk from the stadium. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand... Uh, I wouldn't. I don't really understand, but I have this argument with people all the time. I, I get why people do it, actually. I, I do understand it, but like, I have a friend who's who I was talking to you before, and who's an Arsenal fan who's Irish is all like oh, the Brits are evil and everything but he supports Arsenal and I'm like that's a military football team you idiot like, they're literally called the gunners that were used on your people so it's all up the raw and stuff but then it's like oh we've got we got to sign a striker and I'm like what do you doing they're, they're a military football team you're all like it's meant to be up the R, not up the Arsenal you moron and he, and I just don't I, I find that I have a lot of friends who uh, you know support uh you know, I, I like people. I can understand being from South London and supporting Arsenal because there's that get-out clause of oh, they were Originally in Woolwich, yeah, yeah. and you know, and but a lot of my when I was at school, everyone was Arsenal or United. So I have great pleasure in both of them doing awfully because everyone used to take the piss out of me for yeah, supporting yeah. Crystal Palace. It was just like, oh, you're not, you're not in the Premier League. You're not, you know, it was you just treated like shit for it. And so now that their teams they're, that they're failing. Like, the, the, the Man United failing isn't even fun anymore. It's yeah. just like, it's just kind of sad.
0: I know. Well, it's mad for me. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan and they ruined my life. I wouldn't say they ruined my life in the 90s. That's a bit strong. I really loved growing up in the 90s, got to be honest, for various other reasons. But it was hard being a Liverpool fan in the 90s and watching them win every year. And then when they sort of started doing crap under Moyes and then, you know, Van Hal and Mourinho, it was absolutely brilliant. But it's weird now, isn't it? It's kind of gone on so long, United being kind of average stroke crap, stroke comically bad, that kinda of lost its impact. I just I don't I don't even really react to it anymore. They're, it's just like they're just that's what they are now. They're still this is the
1: thing though, like they're still fourth. Yeah. So they're not then everyone's like this has been a disaster. And you think that you're gonna look at it like twelfth. Yeah. But they're not. They're still probably gonna get Champions League football. Yeah. They're they're not they've got good enough players. I think I think I like I, I've been saying I think the issue at United is deeper than the players. Because you can't keep signing quality players. There's a good player inside Harry Maguire. People take the piss out of me for this. He turns up for England. He, he he won the league with Leicester. He there's a good player. He's he can be really good. There is something going on at United where the players just feel disheartened and yeah. don't want to. It feels like they don't want to play for the club, but they also they're on so much money that they don't want to force a transfer. And no one's gonna no one's gonna buy Harry Maguire for the price. Yeah. that United would want to sell him for the same probably with Paul Pogba you know they're not going to be able to sell these players for the amount that they've paid for them mm. so it's going to be really bad I, I think the way they're just being I think it's the chairman and everything there that's the issue with them more than just more than just the manager
0: oh it's P on the manager yeah I think I think the fundamental problem with United is there's a load of dicks in that dressing room as well just yeah. out and out ourselves which yeah. doesn't help but Anyway, long may continue. As you say, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird like they're, they're sort of in crisis, but they're probably still going to get Champions League. Yeah. Which I know. I think they've just got the soft landing of having loads of money. When you've got loads of money, even when you're shit, you're still quite good. Yeah, they're
1: still they're still like the biggest apart from I think Real Madrid and New England Patriots. I think they're like still the biggest sporting franchise in the
0: world. Yeah, probably. So are. that's you know. Yeah. That does help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even when they're in crisis, they're still going to be sort of fine because they've just got so much talent. Um, but yeah just yeah someone talk about sort of growing up in sort of south london really because this is quite um it's an intense area for football right. i mean there's four professional teams in in this part of london as palace Charlton, millwall and afc wimbledon and it's got an established culture of youth and recreational football that's led to a lot of local kids sort of making it professionally i mean there was a documentary about this on bt sport uh, i think last year yeah it was last year called south of the river and it contained i think a pretty remarkable statistic that said in 2020 14% of the Premier League's English-born players came from 10 square miles of South London
1: Yeah,
0: um, and it's was hosted by Rio Fernand, contained interviews with the likes of Jaden Sancho and Joe Gomez, who are both both from this part of the world. Um, unlike you, they are properly from the mean streets of South London as <laughs> well. Not, not faux gangsters <laughs> like you. Um, did you have a sense then, growing up in the area, that you were in a sort of real hotbed of football, either sort of f- f- for the fact of how... Passionate people are in this area for the clubs they support, but also that recreational side. There's a lot of football being played here on the streets and sort of the cage football and all that sort of thing going on as well.
1: Yeah, uh, cage football was a huge part of, so just down the road, like is where we used to play. We used to play actually just over there in Palace Park as well. Um, that we actually used to like. So, the team that I played for, the the one really good side that I played for was uh, <coughs> I was a goalkeeper so you could play for a better side than you actually were a player because oh, okay. if, as long as you just weren't well I was I was a fat teenager but then when I sort of grew out when I was 16 if you had any level of like a sort of physical attribute as a keeper yeah. it was like you could jump up a few yeah, levels because yeah, nobody else did goalkeeping yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> everyone else would it be a striker <laughs> yeah, yeah um so yeah, I I did know that growing up, and especially at my school, like we didn't have a field, but you had a cage, so we'd put a couple of bags down, and that was. And then the reason I think the South London and sort of the reason people say there's really good dribblers is because you have to learn in a tight mm. space how to go round people, yeah. and that's you know that, that's very apparent. I think Callum
0: Hudson Odoi spoken a lot about that. He's from I think it's part of one. He said yeah, playing cage football just. Absolutely elevate the skills above those who don't play because they like say because of the tight spaces. And, yeah, you know, all that uh,
1: stuff. and so I think that you know, especially when you look at a player like Zaha, mm. that's apparent in the way that he plays. That he's used to going around people a little bit too much sometimes. Where mm. it's like, you know, you can pass the <laughs> ball, <with> to, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: which he's doing better at now. But yeah, I did. I did growing up around here know that if, if football was. You know, it's it, that's what's great about football is the tactics change, not just from country to country, but area. To area you know mm. and so you go up to the north of England and it's just head of the ball as far as you can kick the mm. ball up the pitch and that's you know but there is you know I'm, I'm a fan of long ball football in a lot of ways but you can see that and it is sort of this that's what's great about it is this sort of language I was never any good outfield so I can't run around people Mm -hmm. it had zero impact on me at all playing cage football well actually that's not true because as a keeper the ball would never go out of play really Mm. so it was very good at like you had to learn how to save and then doubles if it rebounds, it's going to go off the cage reflexes and and then you'd have to learn how to like there's no time to sit down and get up and I, I think that really helped um Especially at like a school level, mm. that that was uh, that was really good. Actually,
0: did you play with anyone who's made it at all in any level?
1: Uh, I had a friend who went out to Villarreal Academy. Uh, he left for Spain and ended mm. up in Villarreal's academy yeah. and stuff. I had a few friends who ended up playing. A few people from my school ended up playing. I think semi-pro at Tooting and Mitcham, which is a feeder club for a lot of teams. But I don't think. I don't think any of them got to the level, and they were they were like the people on my team who carried the team mm-hmm. there was you know there was those of us who were like good Sunday leagueish ish but like i if I went to play football again now. I like the standard I play now is comedians football on a Tuesday and it's awful <laughs> It's the worst standard of football I've ever played, and I'm not even good there <laughs> so i, I don't I don't think I don't want people coming away from this thinking I was I, was, I took goalkeeping quite seriously at one point yeah. um, but I wasn't I wasn't anywhere near ever going to be at a level where you played for a for a,
0: like a respectable yeah. side who's the best comedian footballer you've played with?
1: Ivo Graham. Really? Ivo Graham. Big Swindon fan, Ivo. Big Swindon course. fan. Yeah. Ivo Graham is, uh, is like a seriously good footballer. Really?
0: With all due respect to Ivo, he doesn't come across as good footballer. Like, he's a bit scrawny and he's well-spoken. And...
1: Yeah, but he, he. Did you forget that he went to Eton, where they have, like, the facilities that <laughs> like, someone's going to be really... Like, he's <laughs> yeah. going to have... Because you think that Ivo's not going to be that good. <laughs> and then, like, you see him. He, he can bomb down the wing. He tracks back. Wow. Like, he actually... You know when you come across people who've actually played football? Yeah, yeah. So there's people you'll meet. Uh, actually, there's a really good player, Matt, who uh, plays down at Comedians Football, who just knows, like, pass the ball move into space. You know, just like yeah. basic. If you ever go play with your mates, and then there's that one person who's clearly played, yeah. and it's like, oh, they take a touch. They move the ball forward, they pass, yeah. then they go into space yeah. and they wait to receive the ball. But just they're playing at a level where the ball never comes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the <bottom>. yeah. <laughs> like
1: the other person stood there, not know, taken four touches yeah. and has moved it back five yards. Like, so, that's so got to be so frustrating when you, you made the move as well. Yeah, you know, suppose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, a, but there's a few, Chris, there's a comic, Chris Martin, who's really good. Um, I'm trying to think who's, that's a good question. Tom Rosenthal's very good. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Jim's Tom, son, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Tom's very good. Takes it incredibly seriously as mm, well. Um, Dane Baptiste has played to a decent level. Like, I can tell when Dane plays. Dane, Dane like, takes it too seriously. Like, I love Dane. But he, he's like... I, I would like to play a proper game of football with Dane because he's, like, proper, like, yo, you, come on, move the ball forward. Like, he's, <laughs> like, he's like, it's not going to be fun, but it's going to be competitive. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't played like that since I was sort of a... Uh, A teenager, where there was like kids on the team. I remember one time the Palace Scouts were in and I almost saved the penalty, and that's like still my
0: sliding doors moment.
1: Yeah, that's still my. But the thing is, I would have, I would have, uh, I I, I then played against kids who were in the academy at one point, and I remember one of them hit the ball and it just went past me, and I was like, I don't actually know what to do. Like, I don't know how to stop that. (laughs) And so it just came this thing of like, oh, right, I'm I'm good in the park. Or I'm good for the school. But I'm not good. I'm not. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of uh, that moment like uh, when I go and do something like jiu-jitsu or something like that. And it's like a lot of fun. And I'm all right at it uh, for a terrible level, mm. and then you go up against someone who's you know training to be professional mm. or something, and you go,
0: oh no, this is, <laughs> this, is
1: yeah. <laughs> this is terrifying.
0: A- this <laughs> is. I always remember Frank Skinner saying, I think it was on the podcast saying um, when they were recording the video for three lines, him, Padil, and, um, uh, him, Brody from the Lightning Seeds, mm. when they're doing yeah. The, yeah three lines, but obviously for Euro '96, and they were filming with the England squad at the time, and he said. Um, they were recreating famous England goals, you know, that was part of the video, and Teddy Sheringham recreated Bobby Charlton's goal against, I think it was Uruguay at the 1966 World Cup, where he basically smashes it from outside the box. And Frank Skinner said he always remembers the sound that the ball made when Sheringham hit it, and he said it was like a, it was like a gun going off. And he goes, the sound a football makes when a professional hits it is so different to When an amateur hits it, there's just a pure power to it, which is just like, like he said, he literally, I think he said he ducked because he thought a uh, gun had gone off and he just looked back and it was Teddy Sherringham taking a shot.
1: Me and my mates were playing in a game at a Blythe Spartans pitch, it was like comedians v. ex professionals. And um, it was, I was in goal and Tino Aspirella was on the other team. What, yeah, Tino Aspirella, <laughs> Tino Aspirella,
0: <laughs> Tino, so
1: but but look, let me say this about. Th- the years have not been kind to Tino Aspirella or his footballing ability. I remember my mate, there's a comic Kai Humphreys, a massive <coughs> Newcastle fan. He's organized this game, it's for charity. Tino Asparella's playing so quite a few people have come down like, oh look man, there's Tino Asparella. <laughs> and they go to do kickoff. Uh, and so they're flipping the coin, and Tino's just stood there, and he's not even captain of the other team, so so my mate's just like, what's he doing here? And the captain of the other team went, oh, he doesn't know where he fucking is, mate. He's off his head. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then my mates kept tackling Tino. So Kai managed to slide tackle Tino Asparella and like you could see he's like, I've just slide tackled, but then the worst player on our team managed to tackle Tino Aspirella. So it kind of went from, I've just tackled to Tino Aspirella, to like, Oh right, Tino Aspirella <laughs> isn't Tino Aspirella anymore. <laughs> but there was—they had quite a few ex-pros on the team. I can't—I can't remember. I think Lee Lee Hendry was on. There. Anyway, Villa the,
0: midfield, yeah.
1: yeah, he was on there. team. In fact, I think I played in a couple games with him because we did in a comedians v YouTubers game where we lost twenty-five-one. Fuck it Well, yeah, because Lloyd Griffith. Uh, organized it and Lloyd Griffith is also a goalkeeper
0: of course he is yeah I'm a much
1: better goalkeeper than Lloyd Griffith I would just put out there right now that's quite
0: the claim given like his big selling point is I'm a comedian who also plays in goal as well he loves his he's a decent level or something he not? Or maybe I've got to be saying, No, I love Lloyd.
1: I love Lloyd, <laughs> right? But like, he's, a, he's an all right, like, I, if, like, he's an all right keeper. But I, they put me on the wing just because at the time I was doing boxing. So they were like, Well, you're going to be able to run. And I was like, I can't. And yeah. they were like, Look, You're going to be able to run more than the other comedians. <laughs> and uh, at one point, Tom Rosenthal, who was managing the game, substitutes, I think it was Lee Hendry. Oh, is it Lee Sharp?
2: Lee? One of the Lee's. It was one of the Lees. Yeah.
1: Substituted him for Finn Taylor, who's a comic. Oh, right. And brought off the ex Pro our only Bloody chance to one of our mates because we thought it was funny. <laughs> 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 but he was uh yeah, they they were doing his warm up again, like I was saying, we were warming up in goal and they were hitting the ball at me in a way where people don't realise like when a goalkeeper in the Prem I always things amazing is when a keeper's just there to catch the ball yeah. that's not that's not just an easy save to position yourself like that is yeah. so hard like it's really difficult because you just think stand in the middle of the goal but that's not how they they know where to shot all oh, right you know oh yeah. that's i need to move my line of vision there's so much more going on yeah. there that i could never do yeah and they do it so fast that i'm always like our oh, fans don't realize yeah, how yeah. good somebody is yeah, yeah.
0: Right, let's go back to Palace because we've barely touched yeah, on them sorry, yet. Sorry. <laughs> no yeah, problems at all. So, um, as ever, i sort of asked guests yeah. to tell me um, various things about their about their sort of time sport in their club, and one of them is your first game. Now, you said you thought your first game, or you're pretty sure your first game as a Palace fan was against Coventry in the t- around sort of 2000 2001, and that it was a one nil win. Now, I did my research. I can't find that game. Um, now, just in, from, from a bit of research I've done, so I presume it was at home at Sellers Park. It was a 3-1 defeat to Coventry in the First Division, uh, now the Championship at Sellers Park in January 2002. That Don't was probably f- that then. When Dougie Freeman got the goal. Uh, well, let me just go through these other ones. It was also a 3-0 win over Coventry in the League Cup at Sellers Park in November 2002. Andrew Johnson scored twice. Julian Gray got the other. Also, one all draw at Sellers Park against Coventry in November 2003. Rob Edwards got Palace's goal. In regards to one-nil wins against Coventry around this kind of time, none at home over Coventry until September 2005, which was again in the League Cup. Marco Reisach Roy- right, got the goal, and another one 0 win in the league against Coventry at home in September 2006. Clinton Morrison got Palace's goal. Any of those ring a bell?
1: The 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 losses definitely. I let me try to think because I know I didn't ask my dad this because I didn't want to cheat for the question, but I know my dad said like my first game was about when I was four or five. But like he was like when he used to take me when I was four, I was disinterested. And he was like, there was a point when I was about five, he noticed I was interested when we lost the game and I was really upset. Oh, right. And he had a moment of like, oh no. This matters, oh yeah. no. Like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I've ruined his <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah. Um so maybe it might have been culture. I yeah. can't. That's fair. Right. But I remember like always you I used to think like Oh, Coventry's coming up. We beat them. Like I remember having that as oh, okay. a fool, like when I was yeah. quite young, thinking, "Oh, yeah, we usually get a win against them." But I, because I, yeah, it wasn't. I, I always knew us, and I always still consider Palace, Palace, sort of a championship side, which is weird. Like I know we've been in the Prem for nearly ten years yeah, now, yeah. but I always go, "No, no, no." I've supported them in the championship, mm. and that. I love the championship. I think if anybody was to, if anybody like from abroad or anything was to pick a team, I'd, I'd go pick a championship side that looked like they're about to get promoted because the championship is a far more exciting league yeah. than the Premier League is because you'll be 18th, suddenly you win five games in a row, and now you're fighting for promotion. Mm. And it's not obscene that you win five in a row, that happens yeah, in the yeah. championship. An that,
0: incredible division, really. So watchable. It's the yeah. it's
1: the best division in football. Yeah. Like in in terms of pure entertainment, mm. I know the Premier League, the glory and the quality is high. Mm. That's what's always surprising when you come up from the Championship to the Prem. Mm. Is you make a mistake and you lose. Yeah. Like that that does happen, and that's. When Norwich were last up a few years ago, I went down to watch. it was We were playing, it was about seven games into the league, and I, I watched Norwich against us, and I was like, oh, they're going down because we're a premiership side now, and they were just making mistakes. Mm. And I was like, they're going down without a doubt because they, they just haven't adjusted to that. Like, mm. no, if you give the ball away, so, like and we will score. Like, yeah. that's what Premier yeah, League yeah. sides do, and Absolutely. not just, like, a city or, a, you know, mm. teams like that. Like, even at the, the lower end of the table, that happens. But the Championship's great, because there'll be a few players in your team who probably could play in the Prem, and the rest who probably shouldn't be in the Championship. <laughs> and that's what's brilliant about yeah. it. That's why I just love it as a league.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just I was going to come on to later, but we'll sort of, sort of do it now, really. So, yeah, when you start supporting the club, um, kind of I guess it's a sort of turn of the decade yeah they were, they were, lo- they were, they were a second tier club first division at the time Simon Jordan's the manager uh, uh, he, chairman, chairman sorry chair, chairman sorry chairman he took over in 2000 saved the club from administration and then you had various managers in that time the likes of Alan Smith Steve Bruce Trevor Francis Ian Dowie P- Peter Taylor Neil, Neil Warnock and that was in the noughties alone yeah. So, yeah, what are your sort of memories of those sort of early years? And, and would it, although you say you loved the championship, would it be fair to say getting promotion to the Premier League in 2004 when you beat um, West Ham West Ham in the, in the playoff final yeah. on Cardiff and the Dowie, I think that was right. Was it, that Ian must Dowie. A it was uh, one of the greatest yeah.
1: days of my life, I believe, on my 10th birthday. I'd just oh, really? been given my uh, my my Palace goalkeeping kit. Was it my 10th, 10th birthday? Must have been my 10th birthday because I was in year six, I believe, when we got promoted and um so that, was in,
0: that was in 2004 wasn't it yeah. 2004 no yeah. so it'd have
1: been it had been my ninth birthday yeah. sorry so because going into the premier league when we, it was as we were going into the premier league or was it yeah as we were going into the premier league no it would have been my 10th birthday because it was yeah yeah, yeah no it must, sorry this is very boring for everyone honestly. but <laughs> I basically i met i went swimming in uh Beckenham and the palace team were training there oh wow! and i got and i was like just stunned and then uh, I, I I went up to Ian Dow my mum went up to Ian Dow and introduced me and he was the nicest man mm-hmm. ever and like shook my hand and was like oh so you want to be a goalkeeper and was like talking yeah, to me about yeah. it. and was like thank you for supporting Palace and we look forward to seeing you there next season and it was just like the greatest day of my imagine. life so Ian Yeah, that
0: age that just means it, so much those, oh, yeah, it? Yeah, mean yeah the manager of the club you support or, or the players uh, it, whoever
1: yeah looking back on it it's quite worrying that they were just using a public pool <laughs> 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 when we wonder why we went down that season <laughs> like, yeah that's like a- <laughs> Um, at least a local public yeah, pool. Yeah, yeah. Beckenham. Beckenham, it was Beckenham. Yeah. a Beckenham sports centre. <laughs> uh, the my time, yeah, my time in Beckenham. But Ian Dowie is the first manager I remember, like falling in lo- like falling in love with, and being heartbroken when he went to Charlton. And yeah, he was the first sort of that I can. I can't recall too much about the season of us getting promoted. Yeah, I can I can remember the end of it because I remember... I, in fact, we were playing Coventry uh, at Coventry's ground and we needed... It was either we need to beat Coventry or we needed West Ham to win to get into the playoffs. And thankfully, West Ham won, but we lost to Coventry. And then, of course, we had Sunderland in the... In the playoff playoffs, semi-final, yeah. and Darren Powell got the yeah, it was Darren Darren Powell got the goal, I believe. Um, You'll know better than me, yeah. Not yeah sure about that one, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he and then jumped into the fans and knocked over a disabled fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think Julian Gray actually committed a foul in the box as well as like we got it and yeah. we then we beat them on penalties, and then we. But I was at the game at the Millennium Stadium where we uh, we beat them. We beat West Ham. It was Neil Shipley got yeah, the goal. Yeah, I was
0: say, 1-0, we're Neil Shipley with the goal. Also playing that day, he had likes of Wayne Routledge, um, Aki Rialate, Sean Derry, Michael Hughes and Andrew Johnson. Yeah, yeah
1: that was my first, like, I fell in love with that Palace team. Like, yeah. especially, like, players like Aki Rialate and uh, Dougie Friedman. I remember, oh, one of my, actually, probably my earliest footballing memory, to tell a lie, was at uh, Manchester City's ground when we played Stockport. Uh, it was to stay up And Dougie Friedman got a goal In the very last second of the game To keep Palace in the, in the championship So how come you
0: playing Stockport at Man City's ground?
1: I can't quite remember <laughs> yeah. But I believe it was there I, yeah. It was back I, It might have been when Stock, I don't know if Stockport didn't have a yeah. stadium or something okay. But I'm sure it also was yeah, at local, yeah. yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was at uh, Man City's ground And we had to, we went up to watch it And it was an appalling game hmm. And uh, yeah it, that That was, you know that, that, that was like my favourite. When you look at that Palace team that got promoted at that, that, <coughs> that time, there was no chance they were going to stay in the Prem. There wasn't a... I, I, I suppose like, like today's standards, you think that, but back then, like back back then in the Premiership, you did not beat. Mm. uh certain teams there was just well, that like was the
0: sort big, of period he wasn't it sort of peak Mourinho Fergie was still really strong Wenger's Arsenal was really strong Liverpool good under Rafa Benitez so yeah high quality Premier we, League that mid-noughties time
1: yeah we drew with uh Arsenal 1-1 after they came off that invincible season mm. I remember that just being that that just being incredible yeah um there was so many that that's when I really really fell in love with football. I, I guess. And, and sort of before then as well but that's when I really remember like that team meaning so much yeah. to me like Gabor Corrali was our keeper
0: oh he's the one who wore the tracksuits? yeah, and yeah. Just, he wouldn't wear shorts <laughs> which I'm
1: sure they must have do- had to fine him for because was like, part of that's the sponsorship right. really limit.
0: horrible dirty grey ones and, as well and he would just
1: start going kind of, doing gymnastics <laughs> near the halfway line and <laughs> and he was my like he was my hero I met him in the club shop one time yeah. and he was just like my hero wow. like uh, I could he
0: made was he me, buying a pair of taxi bombs from the club I think shop I so. <laughs> (laughs) I
2: think he was getting his kit.
1: Uh, It was really like, Crystal Palace really had this uh, (laughs) insane, like, no real, because that's what was, the Crystal Palace, like, it's not really like that anymore. But I, what I grew up loving was it was kind of this like dishevelled sort of team. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like if nobody, nobody sort of knew how to run a football club. <laughs> yeah. Like they knew how to make the team play well. They got, knew how to get everyone along. But they sort of didn't have any admin. So it was like, oh, yeah, I guess we'll have to go to the swimming pool in Beckenham to yeah. do right? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, we should say, yeah, you did. You did. So you got promoted via the player final in 2004, beat West Ham 1-0 at Cardiff, Neil Shipley goal. Um, so you're in the Premier League, oh four, oh five for the first time since like the late yeah. 90s. You did go down uh, yeah, at the end the of that Charlton. season. But it was, yeah, on the last day. So you gave it a really good push and went one went the down great, the
1: last day. Full of neutrals, that must have been one of the great um, relocation battles because yeah. it was us, West Bromwich Albion, Norwich, not Fulham. Who was it?
0: I think Norwich lost at Fulham on that day, maybe. It might have that, yeah, that might it be a was, false memory.
1: Between four of us, it was Norwich, Crystal Palace, West Bromwich Albion, who I believe stayed up.
0: Yeah, well, that, they create history, because weren't they the first team in Premier League history who stayed up having been bottom on Christmas Day? So they sort right. of broke that hoodoo, I think Yeah, it was. we, Yeah, we put up a sorry
1: performance at Charlton on the last day of the season yeah. and got and got relegated. Yeah. Yeah, it was heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, but as I said, you gave a good push. Mm. But um just want to go back, actually, to kind of Sellers Park, really, in your early times going there. So you went to, as I said, you think that, your dad took you when you were sort of four... There's the game which you think might be in the Coventry game where you lost and you know you you, you, were, you were really Stop, upset.
1: Stockport would actually be my earliest memory, and I don't remember the game. I just remember after the game.
0: Oh, okay. So, how uh, was your dad a regular at Sellers Park? Was he taking you regularly? Did you did you then just become immediately a, a regular at Sellers yeah, Park? Well, yeah, my, my dad where never did you, re- sat? Where my, did you stand. All my
1: dad I mean. never really had a team growing up. I don't think he just used to go to games, mm. and then when he sort of when he was quite young he moved to the area he moved to like Tulse Hill and started going down the Palace in the 90s and uh, <coughs> I think like the 80s sort of 90s and just fell in love of it and then started taking me when I was a kid and we always sort of sat in the Holmesdale upper tier um, and we now sit in the Homesdale lower tier um, just in the corner but it's it's amazing that Selhurst Park hasn't changed at all. <laughs> like it's still, yeah. I think they're planning on building the stand, I, uh, but that's always meant to be happening. But it's, uh, yeah, it hasn't changed in the slightest. It's, it's, it's an awful ground. <laughs>
0: oh, I love. I gotta say, I love it. So I mean, I, well, part, one of the reasons I love it is so I can get there really easily from my house. I mean, I basically get two buses yeah. there: the 320 to Catford and then the 75 to Portland Road, and it sort of drops you off. At literally outside Sellars Park, but I gotta say, you know, maybe being slightly patronising, I love it because it's a proper old school football ground. As you say, oh, yeah. I've been going there on and off for professional and personal reasons for quite a long time now, maybe well over a decade, maybe actually close to twenty years. And you're right, it hasn't changed in the slightest. But it's, I think it's just amazing. It's just it's so different to a lot of the kind of you know the spaceship sort of grounds you get there are in sort of industrial areas in you know or, oh, or big be- sort of you know open landscapes urban landscapes around the country it's just it's sort of w- literally within the community it's surrounded by houses it's quite small you know you can see the floodlights right over the top of it as you're sort of coming around from the sort of streets around it um, it's so tight, so compact. The atmosphere is great. I love going there as an away fan. You don't get the best view. It's not no, a great. No. new Pillars in the way and all that stuff. But the atmosphere, the sound is great. And I think absolute key to that, and you, and so you sort of touched on it there, is 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 Holmes, Holmesdale fanatic. Yeah, so as yeah me, brilliant. Yeah, as, as most people know, they sort of the, they're like the Palace ultras, yeah. aren't they? And. Um, they, loca- they were originally located in the corner of the Holmesdale Road stand they were but, formed in 2005 by third generation Palace fans that's why they
1: had to move the the away fans because the away fans used to be in a corner next to them oh right so it used to be in the half a you had the uh, away fans on the right hand side I believe and that's where the Holmesdale fanati. so it was like they're only a separated by like the <laughs> the little things <laughs> so, 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 so like English football being what it is yeah. had to sort of go right we're going to have to move them down there yeah. so, now they, so now the away fans are always giving greetings to the family stuff. yeah, It is Yeah, it's like, quite funny. Like that, There's this thing with their
0: kids being called wankers for yeah. like, like Chelsea or something. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because no, I went to the recently, we played played each other recently in the Palace. Again, slightly controversial game with a... Diego
1: with Jota. Yeah. I mean, that's just VAR ruining football. Oh, yeah.
0: Just, just mental. Another dodgy penalty. But yeah, you're right. The the away fans are down one uh, end of the Arthur Waite stand. The Holmesdale... Fanatics, the home zone is right the other side, and as you said, the away fans are now closer to kind of the families with the kids, and as they are to the Palace Ultra. But yeah, I think most people who watch Palace games on TV who have been to Sellers Park know about the home fanatics. They are, yes, yeah, so they were started in sort of and five. Uh, third generation Palace fans who kind of wanted to create the fervour that there used to be in English football when it was all, all, all you know, when when fans used to stand before it went to all seated grounds. Uh, they had issues with the police, Croydon Council, the club itself, over sort of you know, standing throughout the game, bringing banners and drums and all that stuff. But now they've sort of slowly but surely become a real sort of firm fixture at the club. And since 2019 have shifted from the corner yeah. to the centre of the Homesdale Road stand. I mean, they are amazing, I think they're, they're visually really sort of uh, captivating the noise they make is sensational they do just keep going from the first to the last whistle of every game I mean you must feel very proud to have them as part of your fan oh, base I
1: think, I think they're great and people like to take the piss out of them and stuff but do they? I, I think they're yeah, amazing but but the piss out of them like when people are oh, they're all dressing black they did it like a way fan but I'm like when they do displays I really like how politically active they yeah. are like, I re- that's what and I really spoken
0: out against sort of ticket pricing and, and yeah. fix your even and like the Newcastle Saudi yes, takeover yeah, like, they, really, they were really yeah, vocal
1: yeah. on that and I and that's what I really like about Crystal Palace is like, I get this argument with a uh, uh, comedian, Jamali Maddox, who like moans that like uh, when football fans complain about things, he's like, oh, it's a business and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it, it is. But I really like that from our club. like I really like Steve Parrish as a chairman. Mm. I think he's fantastic. Um, I've met him a few times and he's just like from Croydon yeah. and he's someone who's like made a lot of money and uh, but still was quite socialist values in a way. And it's still like, yeah, you know, I run a football club, but we've created this academy and we're going to make sure that kids, even if they don't make it as footballers, get to get, we're going to help them get jobs and things like that. And it's community based. I think that's what football clubs should be. Mm. It's like a community uh, hub thing. And I know Liverpool are quite good at making out that they do that when they, in my opinion, Liverpool as a team are, made by the fans. Their fans are infuriating and annoying because Liverpool, you know, Scousers are the most infuriating and annoying people in the
2: world. <laughs> but,
1: but, I will say this about, no, 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 I love Liverpool as a city. Like, whenever I go out there, yeah. whenever I do gigs there, they're, they're great crowds. They're They're amazing. But like, they are, you know, when they're like,
0: oh, there's no other team like it.
1: And you're like, no, there's about 30 other teams.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> we are the best we are,
1: you no know. I'm joking, I'm joking. It is, it is they're like, <laughs> but, but what do you mean there's no other team like it? And they're no. like, "Well, oh, the cop. And you go, but it's, uh, whenever I go to Liverpool, the, I, when I actually, I went up uh, during the year we got promoted, the 2004 season, uh, when we... So, yeah, when we went up there and it was a Milan Barros yeah, that tore us apart. Yeah, we won
0: 3 2, I think. You gave us a real game. 3, was one, it? three, three one, 1, was it? One. One. Okay. Um, I think you took the lead in that game, actually. No,
1: I don't think we did. We got, <laughs> I think, we, I think <laughs> we made it 1 1. Oh, okay. Maybe um, it was up, yeah. But I remember watch, going there. One of the greatest things I've ever seen in football was uh, your first hearing yeah, Anvil yeah. sing, You'll Never Walk Alone, was like, wow. And then I went up years later where we won 2 1. Uh, Scott Dan got ahead of it, yeah, goal and, uh, and I went up and the, the atmosphere wasn't quite the same. Like I was like, going to like, friends of ours who were coming up like, wait mm. till you see this. And then it was a bit... Well,
0: it's interesting you mentioned, I think I remember that game, that was Jurgen Klopp had just taken over as Liverpool manager. I think so, it was 2016. He'd just been manager for about a month, I think. And I think it was his first defeat as Liverpool manager. Yeah. He had a few draws, a couple of wins. I wasn't at the game. I go regularly now, but I wasn't at that game. And he actually criticised the fans after that game. For basically, I think Dan had scored. I think we'd gone one 0 up. Coutinho scored a thing. You equalised, and then Dan made it two one. There was still about ten or fifteen minutes left, and a load of Liverpool fans sort of left. Yeah. And he criticised them after the game, and I was quite annoyed at him at the time because I, I think he, just, I thought, I think like you know, you've just come in and you don't accept that we're just all a bit down at the moment because we nearly won the league a couple of yeah. years earlier, and then like the season after the twenty fourth, fifteen season. Why didn't season, you win it? What, what happened? Uh, somebody fell over. Did you come to
1: like a ground and then blew a? Oh, I i not talk about that. That got nothing to do with it. That's the biggest atmosphere I've ever seen oh, Cello, really? which is big football in shithousery. That like we're cheering on
0: a team to get a draw to stop Liverpool yeah. winning the league. And I'm not upset about the free three at service part because it was kinda done. The game that ruined it was the one before yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. Gerrard slipped, we should say. But anyway, yeah, that palace game in two thousand sixteen. So anyway, I was like, look, you don't you know, everyone's a bit moody and a bit angry at the moment. Uh, but actually, it was really important he did that because it was part of a process by Klopp to kind of re-energize the fan base, and now it's kind of it's great and stuff. But yeah, I remember yeah, he criticised fans, and so I wasn't at the game. But that that tallies up. That probably even before the game, the fans were all a bit moody and a bit down because it was just a kind of weird, tricky time for, for Liverpool it, at the moment. It must
1: be weird as well coming from like a place like Dortmund or something. Was yeah, Dortmund wasn't he? Where, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, where like they are. The pinnacle, uh, I mean, there's probably, like, some Eastern European clubs that you'd go, like, uh, the, the ultras of, like, Dortmund
0: yeah.
1: are, and the displays they do there are just on the next level. And, like, mm. German German football fan bases, like, the 51-49 thing they have going on is yeah, just, yeah. just absolutely incredible. But I, I really like Jurgen Klopp, not for the reason everyone else, like, because everyone, I, I think, like... R- Jürgen Klopp's greatest thing is he paints himself as, ha ha, yes, I'm this smiley, great, fun guy, yeah. Mm. And you're like, you're not. Mm. You're not that person. You're a deeply nasty, (laughs) I want to win the fucking game. You know, I know in the dressing room, he goes, if they were to do an all or nothing with Liverpool... Yeah. and they were allowed all the access he would be going mental at players and you see it on the touchline sometimes when him and Arteta nearly had yeah, a fight yeah, yeah. like you can see like he's not the, no, he paints himself as haha no. yes but then when he starts losing it at BT sport pundits because yeah. they're like what went wrong today well what, what's going wrong
0: in your life?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah I yeah. mean
1: you know him and him and Pep I think are a fantastic rivalry
0: yeah no you're, I think you're absolutely right on that he's I um, mean I've, been, I've dealt with him not that often but a few times professionally and he can be very very chippy but I'm glad you know he's, he's certainly obviously you don't get to the level he's got by being sort of a big friendly bear no no um but yeah, just just back to sort of the homesdale sort of fanatics, do you do you sort of know any of them? I mean no. they must be very proud of being what they are as I, well. I know a couple
1: of them. Yeah. Uh, a few of them. They're all super just nice lads. Yeah. Like, are they were all... quite
0: young then. they all Um a couple of them I
1: know there's a lad at my, uh, my Jiu Jitsu gym who's like used to be, was a big part of them and stuff and uh and he's, you know, just sort of family guy, goes mm. to the game, like he you know, they're, they're not like uh, they're not they're not like a firm or anything no, like that. No. They're, just, they're just people who love the team. and they, they were trying to bring an atmosphere and create a community vibe, you know. They mm-hmm. do like food drives and yeah. stuff for the club and the club get really involved. And I really like that the club's embraced it rather than go, oh, we need to stamp the clubs Like, you know, help them go, no, we're going to try and get you lot standing. We're going to, you know, the club's like, no, this is good for the team. Because mm-hmm. t- t- the Fanatics have probably won us games. Mm-hmm. Like the atmosphere at us that, that free 3 I'm not just bringing it up, for any reason, we wouldn't have won that unless the fans. I've never you drew it. Yeah, yeah I was I was right behind the goal. <laughs>
0: like I say, you say you were there, but you drew it. Yeah. yeah, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. It feels
1: like a win. It, it feels, feels like, like a like defeat a to us. Yeah, end, so yeah. Uh, that it, I was right behind the goal as well. For, it was it was amazing. But um, I think the atmosphere that night that uh, I've never seen anything like that uh, at a football game before. And that was it. Was just a sheer belief that we were going to do it, and it was it was fantastic.
2: Super atmosphere in South London. Gerard's corner, and it's headed in by Joe Allen for his first Premier League goal for Liverpool. One of the smallest players in that penalty area, and not picked up. And what a time to open his account. Sturridge. And shoot again here. Deflection. But it's enough for Daniel Sturridge and for Liverpool. And He gets that little bit of luck, Daniel Sturridge, but he earns it. But here's Suarez and Liverpool are in again here. Sterling for Suarez. Three. And all of a sudden, Liverpool smelling blood. And the prospect of a few more goals here. Delaney defected and an in. Goal difference back for Liverpool Mignolet. No chance. Oh, and is the right man for Palace here. He might take them all on. He's a real sprinter. Yannick Bellassi. Gale in the middle. Murray in the middle. Here's Gale! They've got another one back. Palace 2, Liverpool 3. Dwight Gale. Look at the pace and power of the lads in the game, Glenn Johnson knew he had no chance. What a finish that is from Dwight Gale. Palace have opened the gates really in their desire to pick up what would be a remarkable point and here's Gale who can get it. 3-3 from 3-0 down, two of them to Dwight Gale. It's an amazing night at Salhurst Park. Liverpool have caved in. But well, it's a quite incredible comeback, isn't it? Quite incredible. Well, Crystal Palace's comeback has thwarted Liverpool here. Dwight Gale came on to devastating effect. Liverpool were 3-0 up. Steven Gerrard's side have lost such a big advantage here. Goals from Alan, Sturridge and Suarez handshake from Jerry Francis there for a Crest Paul and Brendan Rodgers Suarez almost in tears they are top of the league again but Manchester City in every other sense in pole position well one of those games you won't forget in a hurry certainly the Liverpool lads won't if it means they end up coming second in this fantastic title race but well they're not feeling too good about themselves tonight 3-0 to the good couldn't see it through. Who would have believed it with an hour or so gone? The final score here, Crystal Palace 3, Liverpool
1: 3. Sellers Park must be a horrible part. I was watching, a, I was at the Chelsea game the other day and uh, I was watching, uh, I think Ziyech had to go take a corner down uh, the other side of the Homesdale and I just thought, I went to my dad, that would be horrible. Yeah. Like you're walking over to that corner and just the abuse yeah. you're going to get. It must, you know, as a player, you must, even as much as you G yourself up, like this will be, you must yeah. think, oh no, I've got to go down there and they're going to yeah. start yelling, it's going to be horrible. That must, you know, that must affect yeah. players.
0: I was think watching games that, that take place at Telos Park, either at the ground professionally or as an away fan, or just watching games on telly, I'm sort of surprised every game doesn't end 24 for 24 because. They're so intense because of the atmosphere. Yeah. So, as you say, that's liable to make players either make mistakes if they're well, either Palace players or opposition players, or raised players. And it's just such a tight. Ground. It feels like you can get from one end of the pitch at Sellers Park to the other in about 0.5 seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is. It's as small in. It's as small and as compact when you watch watch it uh, in the flesh as it is on TV. And it almost feels the pitch almost feels smaller than most pitches. It's yeah. obviously not, but. Because the stands are so close, because it's so compact, it just feels like a ground where you get from one end to the other really quickly, and you're liable to make mistakes, or you're liable to be raised by the intensity, of the experience as well. It's kind of mad that games there just aren't loads of goals in games at Palace. I think it's just I think it is an incredibly intense, exciting place to watch football and probably to play as well.
1: It's a great, it's a great stadium, like just for the how close the fans are yeah. to the pitch, which I think I think does make something. You know, they, there is that. There is that thing like when you got I mean, when I went to St James's Park. Just a great stadium. I like I don't know but like have you ever done the away day at St James? I,
0: this is one of the games I've never been to only because of that because it takes absolutely ages to get up there and then they stick you in the gods. They so stick I've never you in been to it is a really weird to go,
1: place to watch football yeah. because you kind of just see it's a really weird angle because you kind of see how like the team drifts. Mm. So you kind of like are watching it like from this odd angle going like, why is everyone not in the centre? Like it's, 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 it's a bizarre way to watch football. But it's a great, it's a great stadium. But like, yeah, there's something about those those kind of stadiums where the fans are right on top of you, yeah. you know, like the Bow, like I've always looked at as a stadium, like, wow, that must be such an amazing, because yeah. you know, that's like a massive stadium where everyone's, yeah. everyone's cl- quite close to the yeah, pitch, yeah, and then yeah. you look up, and it's just, and it's like they're almost on top of yeah.
0: you. It's, no, that's true. No, I've been, I've been, I've been lucky enough to be there, it's very, yeah, it's different to the new Camp, which feels like it goes yeah, outwards, whereas the Bernabeu goes kind of on top oh, of you, yeah. in, inwards and on What's the top it, of you. What's it like there? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, what's the most unusual thing about the Bernabeu is its location. It's kind of like in the financial district right. of Madrid. So you come out the metro and uh, there's like people sort of like in suits and smart clothes with briefcases mm. walking around. You're like, there can't be a football ground. Here. It's like it's like coming out Canary right. Wharf tube. And then you walk for a bit and you're like, there's no way there's a massive iconic football stadium here because there's like office block, you know, office towers and, you know, cafes and they say people in suits and, 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 and stuff. And you walk a bit and then suddenly it just emerges. So it's in quite an unusual part of Madrid, really. Yeah, but. Yeah, no. really,
1: I really want to go. Uh, I always wanted to go see Ronaldo play there, but that's not going to happen. That was always like my. Yeah. I wanted. Uh, yeah, I would have. Uh, I've always wanted to see Messi live as well. That's why I wanted him to go to City just so oh, I, I just could I, I was going to my dad I was like I know I, you know City whatever people think of him I quite like Manchester City um, just because of that all or nothing documentary made me, made, me, made, me, <laughs> made me fall in love with Pep Guardiola I just love Pep Guardiola um, and I think he's probably apart from Sir Alex probably the greatest manager to live really I think he's the, you know his effect that he's had on modern football mm. is he's no Ian Dowey though is he? he's no Ian Dowie. He, no uh-huh. he, well mainly because he doesn't train at the Beckham <laughs> Leisure <laughs> <laughs> that's the key difference <laughs> yeah. that's the message <laughs> yeah. but I, I you know I think, I think Pep Guardiola is just uh, he, he's someone who like what I love about football is like he, he's clearly very intelligent person Hmm. and like that sort of idea that footballers are these idiots and all of that and you're like he's one of the smartest people I think that there's been in football like and just you know I'm sure if you were to sit down and talk to him about philosophy or something or he's one of those guys who would know a little bit about everything Yeah, and you see that in like football I just think he's I just think he's brilliant
0: yeah, I think we've got contrasting views on Man City and Pep Guardia, so I think he's slightly disingenuous, but we won't oh, go into really? that. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's <laughs> ever so slightly full of shit. But anyway, let's move on from that, because I do want to get back to Palace. Um, so just going through the timeline a bit more. So yeah, as you said, you relegated at the end of, uh, back to the First Division, or it might be in a championship mm. by then, from the yeah. Premier League anyway, at the end of the 4 yeah, 5 season. I think it was called. It was league one was yeah. yeah. Um, or yeah, whatever it's mm. called, yeah. And, then, um, and that then sort of precipitated the period of financial hardship that led to the club again going to administration in January 2010, which in turn led to a ten-point deduction. I saw Palace drop from ninth to just above the relegation zone in, in the second tier. We had to beat uh, Sheffield. Yeah, well, there's an iconic game against Sheffield uh, Wednesday, which you which I think you won, didn't you? Mm. Uh, so this is the end of the 0-9, 0-10 season. Um, uh, so you would have gone, got relegated to the thirty, which was League One at some time, but you survived on the last day because you got two all draw Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. Uh, which in turn relegated them and got goals. Uh, thanks to goals from Alan Lee and, and Darren Ambrose. Uh, but just that period. So basically, what happened was Simon Jordan uh, was claiming to have cash flow problems. He was looking to sell up, but struggling. Uh, that led to sort of debt spiralling out of control and got to sort of over thirty million pounds. He had to then sell players like Victor Moses and Jose Font. Oh, uh, yeah. Serious clubs that the concer- uh, serious concerns that the club was going to have to was going to fold. Ultimately rescued by uh, CPFC twenty ten, which was a consortium made up of sev- several wealthy um, fans, led by a man you've already mentioned, of course, Steve Parrish, who remains chairman today. Um, so you're about sort of a teenager at this time, and I mean, you get sort of well and truly getting to Sporting Palace. You know, I've, I've said it on this podcast a million times. I think. There's no more exciting time to be a football fan than when you're a teenager. Yeah. You know, your, your, your sort of senses are when, really heightened. When you still think you can play for the club, when you, <laughs> you <for> <laughs> get an understanding of how the club works, how yeah. how how the rhythms and yeah. football work. So it's really an exciting time those adolescent years. But as you're supporting them, they're in sort of serious danger of, of not existing anymore. I mean, did you have a real sense of that and how close to the brink did Palace get? In that yeah, period?
1: it was it was hard because it was it wasn't it was just as we were. This is this is the brilliance of Paris, I think, is that. He was watching that and figured out, and in his long-term plan, when people used to moan that he wasn't spending money and stuff, he would have seen players like Victor Moses, Sean Scannell, uh, Nathaniel Klein, uh, these kind of players coming through the academies and into the team. Uh, I mean, Victor Moses was... Victor Moses is overshadowed because of Wilfred Zaha came mm-hmm. sort of immediately after. But Victor Moses was unbelievable. Like you'd go down and you'd watch Victor Moses play, and it was just you could, you know, when you, you especially in Championship, when you, you produce a player who's local, and you just go, oh, they're, they're better than everyone else on mm. the pitch, and he was, he was, and he went on to prove that he had a, he had an amazing career, Victor <coughs> Moses, and he also
0: won the title with with Chelsea as well. Yeah, though, I yeah, know. I
1: believe he won a uh, African Cup of Nations as well oh, with right, Nigeria, right, yeah. Nigeria yeah, didn't yeah, he? I think and, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, he. Um, yeah, but it was it was frustrating that that was happening. It was it was annoying that we ha- it was ah like, oh, we had to sell it because that's always the thing when you do, when you support a team like Palace is you kind of we don't do it as much now but we are sort of looking at Alessi going like we're not going to keep him for long are we like you know he's, he's amazing isn't he? he's he's not going to be here that yeah. long but because Dougie Friedman I think is our head of football and you know he's uh he's very good at knowing who that next mm. he's he's always been very good at knowing who that next player is going to be so it's always uh I oh, so oh. so yeah so come for a oh yeah, it was oh we just yeah yeah nice no, shot yeah was right? oh, oh, we're just doing a recording uh yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all right you can it's it... sit like it's not a problem yeah, yeah 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 go for it
0: it's yeah. fine. No, that's fine. That's, honestly, it's
1: fine, yeah. Oh, would the mics pick them up? It'll
0: be fine. A bit background noise uh, right,
1: I think it should be alright. Yeah. And uh, th- those uh, sort of uh, players were... Yeah, th- those play- it was always a mean that we were able to bring those kind of players through. Mm. But it, what was the annoying part was, was like, ah, we're going to have to sell them. So you're kind of falling in love with someone who you know yeah. is eventually going to leave and then probably score against yeah. you. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, sort of... Um, that, that's what being a Palace fan was at that time was yeah. uh, you know even a player like Sean Scannell I was always you would always just look at him and be like that mm-hmm. again Wayne Routledge was another one we had and it was like mm-hmm. how much longer are we gonna are mm-hmm. we gonna be able to hold on to them for Andy Johnson again that's always what being that kind of uh, being a Palace fan was was having one of these brilliant players who, who basically you know Andy Johnson was mm-hmm my Andy Johnson and Wayne Routledge were when I was a kid were the players but you mm. did always go oh they're gonna leave
0: I suppose I suppose a real sort of heartbreak with Moses was you haven't you, you sold him obviously Palace will always sell clubs mm. they're part of the food you know the mm. football food chain the way it works you'll always sell you know Palace are at that level where mm. they will they'll get a really good play and then a bigger club will take them but I guess the sort of agony with Moses was that you're having to sell him to clear debts it wasn't yeah. really necessary part of that process it was you had to get rid of him because you could have maybe kept him a bit longer, but he had to sell him just did to clear your we debts. We sold him to
1: Liverpool, didn't we? Who did we sell him to? No, I oh, he ended up at Liverpool. Yeah, he, he spent. A, he was on
0: loan was. at yeah Liverpool in the sort of Brendan Rodgers' time. He was right. part of that team that we yeah, yeah, mentioned that, he, ne- that nearly won he, the league. He almost
1: scored at the very end to make it four yeah. three, which would have been. Did
0: to Wigan? What was that is that a weird club for him to have joined?
1: I know Ben Watson ended up at Wigan. Yeah, Um f- responsible for one of my favourite footballing moments ever in a game we were we were playing Millwall Millwall. It was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a football team. And uh, in the last second, Ben Watson managed to score a goal to make it 1-1. And I don't think there's anything better in football than when you have been... Brighton did it to us at home this season, where a team has been awful and then in the last second yeah, gets a goal yeah. that's totally not deserved yeah. that is the greatest, <laughs> the greatest that, that is the greatest yeah. feeling <laughs> no he, of mean? course
0: he scored in the FA Cup final for Wigan as well team, didn't yeah. he yeah well, that, that,
1: that was our claim because everyone kind <laughs> of like, watched him leave and, yeah. and then it was like oh Ben Watson club hero
2: <laughs> victory like, for Palace yeah. yeah where's our
1: medals yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so, no, just, so obviously, you had that sort of tough period, and then um, obviously, Parish has come in, the consortium has come in, they've stabilised the club. You had that, I said, that iconic draw at Sheffield Wednesday at the end of the 09 010 season, where basically it was a shootout. Whoever came on the wrong side of it would get relegated to League yeah. One. Whoever came on the right side of it would stay in in, in the in the first division of the championship, whatever it's called at the time. You got a two all draw at Hillsborough, you stayed up, and then progressed from there, and you got promoted to the Premier League back into the Premier League in in 2013. Another playoff win, another one nil win this time at Wembley against Watford. Kevin Phillips penalty, um, and then there was a. And then you made another trip to Wembley three years later for the FA Cup final, uh-huh. uh, where you lost to Man United. Um, I kind of just want to talk to you about both games I, I presume you're at both of them your memories yeah, are both of them I, and the second game in particular there's obviously a particular standout memory I'm just going to say three words the Pardew Dance oh yeah <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> Um what are your memories of
1: both of those games well the Watford game I remember like If I had to choose to win one of them, it would actually be the, the player final. I know that might be a weird thing to say, but that's the relative success of Palace at the moment is winning that game yeah. against Watford. I don't think if we'd won that, we wouldn't have held on to... You know, Zaha would have left the next season. We wouldn't have gone up the next yeah. season. So that was the importance of winning that. Uh, I thought we were actually going to immediately come back down because Zaha left and we didn't really get anyone in. Then Tony Pulis saved the club, probably... Apart from maybe Paddy Vieira at the minute, probably the, him and Allardyce. Is, I, I, I love Poulos and Allardyce as managers. Like they were, they're the best managers I've seen us have. Really came in, and saved us. Poulis um, came in
0: after Holloway, didn't he? Holloway got you promoted, and then he, I remember he was he really was struggling. In the sort oh, of he early
1: uh, years. he went. I was at the game where we went one 0 up against Fulham.
0: I was at that game. Was there with Fulham it, scored those two it, amazing goals? Yeah, and then it, yeah. we lost four one. Yeah,
1: and I remember everyone going over to. Like and it was just uh I knew people at uh the club who were like, Oh, he's turning up to training and just going, I'll oh, just have a kick about and just not able to deal with the stress of it. Yeah. And so it was like and you you could kind of see that on the pitch that nobody knew what they were meant mm. to be doing and then Pulis came in and brought in Tom Ince and was just got us playing football and then and then just left. <laughs> 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 um but yeah, the the Wembley uh, FA Cup final. My probably the greatest uh, footballing moment was yeah, Jason Punch's goal. I fell down and cried. Really. Um, at, at up there with because uh, that gave you the lead. We should yeah. say
0: that yeah, Palace took the lead in that game, yeah. and then before Man United uh, came back and won two one. Yeah. Up
1: there with Shaw's goal against Italy in the Euro oh, really? final. Yeah, yeah, that that those are two two of the biggest. Footballing moments of my life. I've I've always just wanted to see England win a tournament, like yeah. more than anything, really. And uh, yeah, I'm still not over that. <laughs> <I was laughs> really, we discussed really before we started recording. Yeah, yeah um, but yeah, the party dance. But then,
0: did uh, you know? Did you? Because obviously, he he danced to, the to celebrate yeah. Punchin's goal. Yeah, no, Your no, 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 no going mad I'm presume you're crying yeah. As, yeah. He, as he just said when Punching and did you realize at the time he had done the dance or yeah, was cut it to when you watched cut, it cut to him
1: cut to him on the screen really? everyone went nuts we all loved it oh really yeah <laughs> Pardew, Pardew is uh the best and worst manager we've ever had it's <laughs> like
0: quite a claim <laughs> because he got us
1: to an FA Cup final so you go oh, that's really and he he's a really... you I would love to bring Pardew in just for cup games, <laughs> yeah. because he's he's a cup game he's a cup game manager. He takes risks, yeah. he gambles, he you know he does all of those sort of things. But he ruined what people had built at that club before him, selling players like Glenn Murray, and he took a lot of. I remember we had this season where like the signings were ridiculous. We brought in Yoan Kabay, still one of the greatest midfielders mm. I've ever played for Crystal Palace. And brought in Steve Mandana from uh, from Marseille to goalkeeper. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is a squad. They brought in loads of players. And then Mandana just pretended to be injured for the rest of the season and went back to Marseille. And it was kind of like, what's going on here? Like, And it was just like people I knew at the time were going like, oh yeah, there's been big falling outs in the dressing room. And uh he got rid of uh glen murray apparently because like glen murray was a big personality at the club and he wanted and he sort of mm. wanted to be the face of the club and i think getting rid of Glenn murray is one of the stupidest decisions that we've ever made because we need he was he was an incredible striker and he was just uh he his positioning was Mm. so high level. Like he he just was always, he had that sort of Harry Kane thing about, obviously Harry Kane's a much better striker, but like he had that Harry Kane thing of like uh, just being in the right place at the right time, which is a skill. Mm. Like, you know, I think that's, you know, sometimes people make out that that's like a really, oh, you know, it's it's just a tap-in, but you have to be Mm. there, you know, and someone if people are able to read the game like that, I think that's, super mm. super valuable and that's why good strikers now like you have to take a gamble and pay 50 60 million mm. for a striker who potentially could do that and we haven't got the funds to do that
0: mm.
1: that's why we bring in players like Edouard who I don't think I don't think
0: he started. He scored twice in his debut against Spurs. He has gone quiet since then, actually. Yeah, he's just He was really hard. good at Celtic. I know it's a Scottish league, uh, isn't it? Strong, etc. But yeah, surprised it hasn't worked out for him. Actually, I thought he was genuinely going to be really good for.
1: Uh, it. I think. I think it's hard to adjust to the Premier League, yeah. and I think that's the issue with Palace. It's, it's still early days, for fairness. Yeah, start, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. I always think give players a season. Yeah, yeah Like, it, yeah. I mean, Chelsea have spent no, Lukaku. I watched the other
0: day was. He's, he's, he, uh, he's, seven like, touches against you guys isn't he's he? yeah. an inc- You should say we're recording this yeah, yeah, A few yeah. days after Palace uh, Lost one at home to Chelsea It's a game that's mm. been in the news a lot Because Luke, Romelu Lukaku Only took seven touches In, that, in the one entire them, game One of them was kick Yeah, one was kick-off yeah. Uh, he,
1: uh, he, yeah, I was watching him on the pitch And was like He just doesn't look Bothered yeah
2: doesn't it right and 97 it? million they paid for it. Uh,
1: yeah that's insane yeah. that to me is like insane yeah um,
0: just going back to those Wembley trips and also your just time watching Palace generally at Sellers Park I mean your dad took you mm. he's obviously a big Palace fan did you have you continued going with him? We used to yeah, t- yeah, we still go together, were you together at the we're Wembley games, yeah, we or did done. you sort of build a sort of group of mates who you yeah, going well, to go to games? Got got mates. We know quite a few people go yeah. and stuff, but
1: yeah, I still go. Well, no one else at my school fucking supported this team. <laughs> 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 I love to go with mates, but nobody else. Despite it being around the corner, support, yeah, it was a shitty club. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so yeah, it's um, but no, I like I like going down there because we're both like comics now. Like today, I'm away to work, like, I barely see him, mate. It, like, yeah. uh, so it's like a nice thing to do. Like I've only been to a few of the games this year because. Because, you know, like, I work Saturdays usually, like, I'm usually off to somewhere. Yeah. So, like, I had uh, last Saturday off, so I was like, oh, yeah, I can watch us go play Chelsea. We did all right. We, we were mm-hmm. all right against them. We, sw- I think Mitchell switched off for a second. I was just like, you can't do that against, you can't be yeah. marking and Ziyech and fall yeah. asleep for a second. Yeah. That is that, like I said about the Prem, the minute, especially against teams like Chelsea, the minute you just fall yeah. asleep, they will punish you.
0: Yeah. I mean, that must be nice as well, just thinking just there that, you know, you and your dad, you've had, it's a, it's a way for you two guys to connect you say you've sort of lived separately now but you come together to watch Palace and you've had that you've had yeah. that literally all your life going to watch football with your dad and it's just it must, must be a very nice way for you guys to stay in touch yeah and yeah share it's something. great it's great fun yeah. you
1: know it's good, good to go and done it and as well it's, it's like, uh, I like I like the way my dad like loves sport I really love the way he just watches uh... I'm, I'm fine I'm fine thanks as well fine, yeah no all no,
0: good so that was Kia who just came up. The lovely Kia who's been, has been very, uh, very hospitable to us.
1: Um, yeah, he he loves sport. My dad, like he mm. just he will watch anything, um, apart from like mixed martial arts or anything like that that I'm really into. But he he finds that a bit much. But he uh, he just loves watching sport, and he has this great way of watching sport which is to just, he tries to understand, he tries, to, like I sort of picked up from him, so he's like, wow, that's amazing that someone's able to do that. So, do you want a glass of water? No, no, I'm good, I'm good, mate. Um,
0: um, She's like, I'm, uh, even though we're in a pub, I'm on orange juice and you're on coffee and water. <laughs> 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 Two complete lieweights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, his way of uh, watching sport is just, um, it's just fantastic and he's a great person to watch it with because he gets so invested and so yeah. into
0: it. We've been talking for ages. I've still got a couple of things I want to ask you. It's been it's been an absolute absolute treat speaking to you about Palace. Yeah, uh, we'll get on to your so a couple of usual things we do at the end of this podcast. Um, before we do, just yeah, just want to sort of kind of wrap up a little bit. So as I said, Palace got promoted in. In, 20, in 2013, uh, back to the Premier League via the playoff final. Um, they've been in the Premier League ever since. A, couple, you know, a few managers since that time as well. Currently under the management of Patrick Vieira, who things seem to be going pretty well. He's obviously playing really good football, bringing through a load of exciting young players. Uh, Your 13th, uh, currently in the table as well, following that, that defeat to Chelsea um, we just mentioned. So it feels like the last sort of almost 10 years have been quite a positive time for Palace. And I guess a symbol of that period... And probably the standout player in that period, has been someone we've mentioned a couple of times already, or you have, is, is Wilf Zaha. Yeah. So um, just to sort of quickly go through his kind of biography, really, joined Palace Academy at the age of 12, made his debut for the first team in March 2010 at the age of 17, quickly established himself and was such a sort of immediate star that he made his England debut in 2012 before subsequently uh, pledging his allegiance to Ivory Coast, signed to Man United in 2013. I think it was Fergie's last signing before Fergie then mm. retired. Spent one season there before coming back to Palace. He's been at the club ever since, um, and yeah, he's just he's been a brilliant player for Palace and the real symbol for the club as well. Mm. Given um, his roots, he moved to Thornton Heath with his family. You know, eight, he's got eight siblings at the age of four from the Ivory Coast, and as I said, came through Palace's academy. Um, he's in your all-time Palace eleven, which is one of the things we'll come on to shortly. And I'm guessing the era, given the era you've been watching Palace, which is the last kind of sort of fifteen twenty years. Um, he must be a particularly sort of cherished figure for you and people of your generation especially. He is, uh,
1: I think he's the the greatest player I've ever seen at Crystal Palace, probably the greatest player the club's ever had. Uh, it really annoys me that Palace fans don't... I think Palace fans have gotten used to him, which is the worst thing you can do with a player mm. is because I don't think people are like, oh, Wolf, yeah, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. And you're like, you don't realise... like. The other team's plan up until this season was just stop Zaha. Yeah. You've just got to stop Zaha. He's one of the, he's the most fouled player in the Prem for a few seasons. Like you know, maybe he does go over a bit easily every now and then. I think I think it would be uh, you know I've clearly got a biased, but he definitely is a uh, is the difference and the reason we've been able to stay in the Prem for so many seasons, among among other things, you know. But he's a uh, he, for me, is just the best player there's ever been and can do no wrong down there. And I don't... I think when, people, when we got to the Prem and we started getting more people come down, they only watched us in the Prem. They never used to have to watch the shit that we would produce in a championship and the awfulness. And then when someone like Zaha came in, it was just one of those things where you go, like sort of with a Moses or someone, where you go, oh... Oh, we've got one of those. Mm-hmm. We've got one of those. Proper, proper
0: Premier League footballer. Proper Premier League yeah. footballer. Yeah.
1: And people always go, oh, you know, he wouldn't do it at know. Oh, you know, he couldn't do it I think, I think he was one of the more underrated players outside the top six. I really do. And people, you know, for a few seasons, I think he was the best player outside the top six. Again, I'm going to be biased. I know then you had like Grealish and, you know, these other... There's been other fantastic players for sure, but um, he was watching him week in week out was brilliant. And I think he's going to leave the club. I think he should leave the club. I think you know he's almost thirty. He should go somewhere where he probably can win something. Mm. And I I would like sort of live vicariously through. I'd love him to go somewhere where he could lift a trophy and just be part of that. And I think I think he should. I think he's done enough for our club, and I don't think he's respected enough. His
2: punching getting in behind Brady, held up now by Bassong. Talents <laughs> go in front, and it's Wilfried Zaha who gives them the lead. It's a well-controlled finish by Zaha. Wilfried Zaha. a pass on there, the punch, but when it's up oh my word, that is super from Wilfried Zaha, from out of nothing, he has come up a special goal. Kelly, Zaha! Zaha it's a good ball from Kabayi Zaha! Glorious goal by Crystal Palace! Buried by their best player this season, Wilfred Zaha! And they have a deserved lead here! Zaha picks it up for Palace! We're getting quite a display of spectacular goals here! Wilfred Zaha! That was something seriously special! Ivanovich, Macarthur, Zaha. No! Yeah! That's what they missed. Star quality, top class. Wilfried Zaha is making his presence felt here.
0: He had that chance to go to Arsenal, didn't he? I think it was in the summer of 2019. I know Unai Emery who was manager at the time, really wanted him, but they signed Nicolas Pepe. It was instead. a great,
1: great decision by them. It really worked out. It worked out brilliantly. I, I, yeah. I still have my again my mental football friend who argues <laughs> that Pepe is better than Zaha, and I've ne- he's just such a one-footed player. Like he's, yeah. yeah. He's, <laughs> I think 70, he is really good, but he's just 79 he's million. <laughs> he's
0: definitely not a 79 million pound footballer, and as you say, he's a really odd. Football is completely one-footed, which for a player that level, he should have a little bit on the other foot. And he just it seems really sort of awkward and gangly, and yeah, just quite a strange player, I think. Yeah, they—I—I
1: my favourite team to watch lose is Arsenal. Awesome. I, <laughs> I think their fan base is ridiculous. <laughs> They uh, have The most insane fan base that, that are like, yeah, but we were, we, we had the invincible season, like yeah, tw- twenty years ago. <laughs> like you, you won't, you're not, uh, you know, you're not this side anymore. And they can't, they can't work out that they're a mid-table side. Yeah. That even though they're like a part of the original top six, if you were to call it that, you know, part of the super league that was going to be created. But they're no, they're nowhere near the standard. I don't think they're going to come top fourth. Uh, top four I think I want Arteta to stay on as manager because I know who they'll be looking at for Oh uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Know. Um, very much if you're an Aston Villa fan you're going to want yeah. Jurgen Klopp to stay at <laughs> Liverpool for as long yeah. as possible but I just don't think Arsenal are anywhere near I think I think they've I think they've got that I think Arteta uh, what I don't understand about Arsenal sorry I know this is a question about Zaha <laughs> but just they keep going like whenever they win a game they're like. It's a young side. Think about how good they're going to be in a few years, which is all well and good. But then they'll lose a game due to their young team being not disciplined enough and their manager who nearly gets in fights on the touchline. There's clearly a disciplinary issue there where players are falling out. You've paid another club to take a Bamayang off you in in a transfer window. That's insane. That's mental. Because your your manager's falling out with a, a very good striker. You've not bought anyone in, and then you go, "Oh yeah, but think about how good we're going to be in four years' time." And it's like those players are going to have all fallen <laughs> out with each other. They're not going to be getting on, and then they do this. They they had that game against City. You know that game they will go on about because they had a uh, they had a good first half against yeah, Manchester yeah, on New year's City. Day, yeah. And it's ridiculous and then they claim it was down to a poor ref him while they lost and it wasn't it was down to Gabriel was on a yellow card and he went and clotheslined uh, Jesus yeah. and that, that's that. when you're on a yellow cl- card you can't make a tackle like that
2: yeah.
1: and that's ill discipline and that's what their club is and Zaka my favourite I love Zaka because he's a good footballer but he's insane yeah. like, <laughs> like he's, he's, bad, he's, yeah. he's a great foot. I think he's a really good footballer <laughs> but just the, he, for two minutes of the game he forgets that he's playing football and yeah. thinks he's playing WWE yeah. <laughs> he's
0: a He's a character, shall we say. I, I do love how much you hate Arsenal. We were, you were sort of ranting about them via somebody you know before we started recording and then you just let off on them. You just to, okay, I've mate. never met a non-Spurs fan who hates Arsenal as oh, much as you, said I think. they're Because <laughs> I went to school,
1: everyone was an Arsenal fan. So like everyone was, just, oh, Palace yeah, Arsenal was so good. And, and we lost 5-0 to them in the Prem as well once the season we were up and it was just giving so much shit for it. And now, they're not even a club you fear playing. They used to, you used to fear yeah. Arsenal. And now you're like, oh yeah, we, we should, we, we could beat them. There's not yeah. a, before it was, you, you didn't beat Arsenal. And now they're just this, and they all blame Emery. All blame, and he's done, he's went on and did really well with Villarreal. Like, I don't understand what they, it was, Val, Valencia, sorry, he ended up at, was it? No, Villarreal, he won the Europa yeah, League last season. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah. United in the final, yeah. yeah, and they all, they all claim that yeah. he's, uh, he ruined this club. Oh, he brought, like, no, he didn't. Your fan base is just you all wanted Wenger to leave and he left and then you, you all wanted Emery and then you all wanted him out and now some of you want Arteta. They've got these memes where they, they call they compare Arteta to a summer bin Laden. <laughs> 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 no, it's a joke, but like, they put him on a pedestal with a summer bin Laden. He's he's I, I think he's a I think he's an alright manager at Arteta, but I think he he's clearly got a disciplinary He's yeah. got anger issues. Oh, he's, got, definitely. he's got that... Sh- he's way too intense, he's, in my yeah. opinion.
0: Way too intense. Yeah, he's fallen out with two players. I'm not going to slag off Arsenal on his podcast. A, because I've got a lot of family members of Arsenal fans. B, I've got a lot of mates of Arsenal fans. And C, I'm scared of their fan base on Twitter. They are... They, they, as I found out recently with the whole Tottenham postponement thing they will come at you so I'm not I'm not oh, yeah, oh, but that's the thing they all moaned about Liverpool cancelling cancelling a game and then they did
1: the same thing for the North London derby the week after that's exactly. like perfectly reasonable that was then. it's the
0: exact same thing Exactly. ridiculous exactly. fan base that may or may not be the point I made on Twitter which then led to me getting a lot of views oh, but anyway God. let's move on from Arsenal right we've been talking for ages as I said still got a couple of yeah. things I want to talk to you about the usual things we do before we do on this podcast before we do that, I do I just want to ask you one more question. And it does, uh, it does relate back to your dad. I'm sorry, I, know mm. I, I do keep bringing it up. But I think it, it was really interesting. I was um, in my research for this podcast. I found a, um, a little package you guys did. I'm sure you remember it. For the BBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was during Frank De Boer's yeah. very short time uh, managing greatest, palace. Greatest manager we've ever yeah, had. Yeah, the three-game manager. And uh, it was a little packages for the BBC. like A little match a day. It wasn't a match a day. It was like a yeah. match a day-like programme. And it involved you both walking around Sellers Park and chatting about supporting Palace. And your dad said two things on it, which really stuck in my mind. And they were, what he said, it was about following Palace. And he said, following Palace is not about results, it's about community. And that's the brilliant thing about supporting Palace. We never take take things too seriously. No, we don't. So I was going to ask you, are either or both of those things true?
1: Yeah, we're we're a massive community-based club. That's what, like I was saying about Paris, he's built this amazing youth academy, um, that supports people when they don't become footballers when they go on afterwards and then they're, they're not able to make it in the game and help them get a job and stuff like that. And that's, that's like, people... that That's ideally, like, that's capitalism and business helping community. That's what it should be for, you know? Yeah. You think if a company like Amazon did something like that instead of making these sort of concentration camps where people have to f- f- go and get everyone's... Fi- you know, <laughs> and your working conditions are awful. But if, the, if, if more businesses took that model of like hey we've got quite a bit of money here we've got a way we're able to use it let's let's build something that helps people and create you know mm-hmm. and then people who don't make it as footballers are able to go out into the world and have actually life skills and be able to do something. that that's fantastic so yeah I think it is about community and you look at the fan base is completely community orientated we're very uh you know, you look at the fanatics, they do a lot for charity, they do a lot for food banks and things like that. And also I'm not taking it seriously, I think that's massive with Palace. We still like Christian Bentec. Alright. <laughs> not a lot of teams would. And that's and we started to find it funny like it just came like oh that's very Palace
0: yeah
1: uh, <laughs> Kevin Day uh, Kevin Day who uh, is the <laughs> who's a big Palace yeah, fan yeah fellow comedian yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who is uh, I believe very much a Nianti Venteco <laughs> <laughs> <No, laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, I know his dad, his dad passed away and his dad's favourite player was Christian Benteco <laughs> I believe the day after his dad passed away Benteco got a goal <laughs> And he was like, "Yeah, my dad would have loved it, you know." <laughs> and that's, that's what, and finding out funny, I think, is is what being a Palace fan is, you know, having having our greatest, uh, the, the, our, our most capped ever, Julian Spironi. It was just a fine goal, <laughs> like, and I, I, look, I love, I love Julian Spironi. I adored Julian Speroni. Um but you know, like we'd end up building, naming after stadium <laughs> after him if we had our way as fans. <laughs> what yeah. did you win with him? Uh, we we got promoted, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and that that's what I think it is. I, I think it's a fun club to support, yeah, because it is just you know our hero, Clinton Morrison um Clinton O. Morrison, one of Ireland's strikers <laughs> with his famous Irish, yeah. his famous Irish action. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you see him yeah, he talks like that. He comes up on the yeah, yeah, yeah. he's on soccer Saturday and you go, like, that's that's an Irish striker. And he's one of our best ever players. It's just it's just funny. It's and that's that's why I think it's a team worth supporting. But when you look at the best players we've had over the years, Victor Moses Comes from around the corner, Nathaniel Klein came from around the corner, uh, Wolf Zaha has come around the corner. You know, I know we've bought as but like these, you know, Emil Smith Rowe, who we've clearly passed up on, <laughs> <come around>. <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in Forton Heath. Really? Yeah, 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 grew up literally down the road from me, and uh, nobody thought to go and uh, pick him up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, given how I many you, you have spotted, mm. I guess you're allowed. You lad wants to slip through the net. Oh, yeah. Sancho. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And another, yeah. yeah. There's quite quite
1: a few. Yeah. Um, but again, like again, someone I've, I've actually put in my auto, time will probably spoil it but Yannick Balassi What is it? I'll talk about it when he's in my team, but yeah. I'll link it back to this. But yeah, he's, he was—he was—he was just fun. He was a fun player. Yeah. He was the embodiment of Crystal Palace.
0: Yeah. Well, let's do that now. Yeah. Let's yeah. do that now. So that, that you've set that up perfectly. So yeah, let's get to the, the final couple of things I always do on this podcast. And the first thing is an all-time eleven. So anyone who's not listened to this podcast before, I always ask my guests to pick an all-time eleven based on the best eleven players they've seen play for their club during their time supporting. Their oh, club. during the time support. I'll well, no, it's it's absolutely fine because Elliot's. Uh, yeah, we'll come on to. This. He's picked a couple of plays he never saw. That's absolutely fine, not a problem. I'm always happy for these things to be mixed up a bit. So let's go through Elliot's um, all-time Crystal Palace eleven. It's in a four-four-two formation. In goal, uh, the great Julian Spironi that we just just mentioned. Back four: Gareth Southgate, Damien Delaney. Scott Dan and Victor Moses. Um, I'm, I'm gonna.
1: Can I change?
0: I'm... Yeah. Should we come on to that in a second? Yeah. yeah come on to that because I know you want to. You want to make a change in defence. But yeah, the, the defence as things stand are Gareth Southgate, Damien Delaney, Scott Dan, and Victor Moses. The midfield then is Will Saha, Johan Kabai, Darren Ambrose, and Yannick Balassi. And up front is Ian Wright and Andy Johnson. Um, so first thing I want to ask is have I have I interpreted that team correctly? Because because you sort of sent it as a list and I wasn't sure who was in which position, so I put Southgate at right back. And yeah. you've got Delaney and Dan centre backs, but you, yeah, you did I, say before you signed me recording you I, want to actually take Dan out, don't you?
1: I love I love Scott Dan. I, it's it's a really tricky one because people will probably look at me and be like, why have you put Scott Dan in there? But no, I'm going to keep him in because he he was so important to us staying up. Mm. But there's one player that I know fans will disagree with me on, but I adored was Sacco. Oh, did, uh, yes. Because yeah, yeah, and he yeah. came from Liverpool. What's
0: happened to him? Because, yeah, he was doing all right for I you guys, wasn't he? I
1: think he just got injured, and I think, he's, I think it came a thing of, like, they were like, it was very Palace. We went through this stage of, like, we had to keep getting players who we could... A team wanted to off because he had too high a wage, <laughs> and we needed to buy a player. Mm. So we ended up giving people, like, 80 grand a week who were... Not eighty grand a week players, mm. but were, you know he was. Sacco came to the team, and it's sort of an honourable mention. But he came to the team, and he he got nominated for player of the season after like seven or eight games because he was just. It was just like, oh, there's that difference, mm. you know, when you see it, like, oh, right, they're just way better, and he he would command the defence, but I'd. I think I think I'm going to put Scott Dan in there because I think he was so important for us staying up for a few seasons. And there was a point where Scott Dan was just something happened to him where he dropped off, but he was brilliant for a few seasons in keeping us up. Mm-hmm. He was so important. But it says a lot about Palace's defense <laughs> that we've always that you know is is I don't think it's always uh Always been uh, our strongest, yeah, yeah. strongest of places. Yeah, the, he's all the right, place. solid enough.
0: He, Dan, I remember. Scott he, Dan was he's good. Fine, yeah. yeah. So yeah, two two other players I definitely want to mention uh, are Gareth Southgate, who, who I said, who just mm. mentioned now, and Ian Wright, because there's absolutely no way you saw either no. of them play given your age. Southgate played for Palace between. 88 and 19, uh, 1988 and 1995, he made 152 appearances and scored 15 goals. Ian Wright played for Crystal Palace between 1985 and, and 1991, 225 appearances and 90 goals, uh, way before your time. Yeah. So um, so in that sense, yeah, you didn't, they're not part of an all-time 11 made up of players that you've seen play, but we did discuss this before we started recording. You just felt given what they achieved at Palace, how good they were, they just simply had to get into yeah, your team.
1: Yeah, you can't not have Gareth Southgate or Ian Wright yeah. if you were doing an all-time Palace team. I know, I know I didn't see them, but, like, they are... You can't have... A- you know, Ian Wright <coughs> I think it's our all-time goal scorer Like you can't not have him in the mm. side if you're doing an all-time and, and Gareth Southgate was just everyone was always like he was I was actually thinking of putting a, a, he only played for us for a season and it was more just because of uh, how good he was was Ashley Cole <laughs> Ashley Cole played forgot, for us yeah, for a season I forgot yeah he
0: was on loan at Palace he? yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah I forgot about
1: that and
0: uh, do you remember seeing no, him play no at no all. A little bit but time, I know yeah.
1: he was uh, I know he was there and it was kind of like well if you're doing like an all-time in their yeah. prime. Yeah, <laughs> I would have yeah. loved Ashley Cole to yeah. be, but yeah, he sort of, he sort of. Apparently, he had a bit. Of, it was like us with Gallagher at the moment, where you watch him and go, "Oh, oh, they're not. Oh, we've just got them on loan." You yeah. know, when you go, "Oh, well, you know, if they're good, we could buy them." And Gallagher's been so good, we're all going, "Yeah, we're not, we're not going to, we're not, not going <laughs> to no. be able to afford him." Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I
0: remember. I remember Cole being at on loan at, uh, at Palace and. Yeah, so you knew Arsenal had this really special left back who, they, who they'd sent out to get with experience, but he was always going to make it at Arsenal. Yeah. He's just he was at that; he was already at that level. He just needed a bit of first team experience yeah, and he came back and made the rest of his history. One of yeah. the greatest, one of the greatest left backs of all time. Well, I probably. think England's yeah. greatest ever left back. Yeah, yeah. brilliant play. Um And yeah, I was just going to ask you: Is there any other players you want to mention? And it sounds like you want to give Yannick Bellassi a big shout. Yeah,
1: Yannick Bellassi. Uh, I put him in there didn't I? Yeah, yeah he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. he's midfield, Your You Zaha. Yeah.
0: yeah. And Balassi on the wings with Kabai and Darren Ambrose yeah. in centre midfield.
1: Well, Darren Ambrose, I just loved, loved dearly. Um, Johan Kabai is the best midfielder I've ever seen at Crystal Palace. Mila Yedinak, I was thinking of putting in <coughs> there as well. Mila Yedinak was instrumental to that side um, of getting us up, and probably should be in there. But I, I've gone for Ambrose over a sentimental thing more than anything. But Yannick Blassie, uh was incredible. He, I've seen Yannick Balassi run past. Four players and take a shot, and the ball's gone backwards. <laughs> and that was Yannick Bolasie. When
0: the hell did that? It happen? was
1: in the prem. I saw him. right I think it was against like Burnley or something He <laughs> ran past like four players, and then he hit this shot, and it went backwards. I think they had a counter attack and got like a corner from that's it. I, like, I remember. But I remember everyone really laughing because it was like it was like that's Yannick Belassi <laughs> yeah. Like it's like. The Balassi flick, <laughs> like he he would in, he invented a mo- he, he was incredible, and then he would just do something insane. But he would laugh. I remember him
0: doing that. Uh, in uh, a spur. he, uh, Spurs away? I covered the game for yeah. the Guardian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah, was, yeah, it was what everyone was talking about afterwards. What was it again? It was like it, a it was, it was like a three sixty, but yeah. it went in the air. Yeah. He was he it's was one of...
1: The, he was as skillful a player as I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, but yeah. he was he was hilarious to watch <laughs> because because it was like it was like watching like Ronaldinho but then it would suddenly become like watching it it would come like watching like you know when like uh what is it Phil Neville tried to do step overs <laughs> it, it, it would come that at some point so you were kind of like what Yannick's going to turn up today and that's part of the fun part of being, Dino, the, the, no, part the, Phil Neville the, the, what a combination. Yeah, and that was part of the fun of watching him watching him play like and I, if I met Yannick like, I would I've met him and I'd love to say I got a fight with him in the car park once and he's my favorite and he loved the fans yeah. That's why I liked Yannick. He really embraced the spirit of the team. He he oh, is the most Crystal Palace <laughs> player I've ever seen. He is if some if, if Palace was a person, it would be Yannick Bolasie, and that's why I love him. I just, he's my favorite, he's probably my favorite ever player. Oh,
0: that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he went to Everton, didn't he? For a lot of money as well. Yeah, we for twenty five million, yeah. and we were all like, "You've clearly just watched his highlight <laughs> well, I, know few, I know a few Evertonians. I think they said he he actually started quite well there, yeah, and then he got, got really. Injured. Really bad injury, yeah. and he's never recovered from. Him. I don't know where he is now, actually. I
1: think he's at Middlesbrough. Oh, think, he, at Middlesbrough? Well, he, he keeps trying. To, he keeps tweeting Crystal Palace, and <laughs> he wants to come back, and the fans want him to come back. But you can tell the clubs like it would be a disaster. We
0: can't have Yannick for like, <laughs> like he he's, just, he's like a former, it's like a former sort of boyfriend or girlfriend, mm. and you eventually just have to block him on yeah, WhatsApp. Yeah, he's love
1: him. I think I think he's like, he is my favorite ever
2: player. Oh, that's but,
1: brilliant. But yeah, you
0: <laughs> mental. Excellent. Yeah, I love that. Part Ronaldinho, part Phil Neville. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elliot, you've been absolutely brilliant. Um, it's just been an absolute joy recording. This. I've got to say, as I said, it's so nice doing these things in person. I just want to thank Westo House again, Kia in, in particular for 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 hosting us it's been an absolute joy the sun is now streaming through the window as well so it's, it's turning into a glorious south london afternoon even say thank you to the two blokes who came in earlier um, for a pint. slightly awkward moment but actually they sat really quietly in the corner their corner they've now since gone as well so thanks guys for keeping the noise down no problems you coming in obviously but um, yeah do appreciate getting the noise down and i'm going to let you go elliot before i let you go i'm going to ask you the final question and it's the final question i always ask on this podcast If you go back in time and change one moment from your time supporting Crystal Palace up to now and it can be absolutely anything, it could be a match, it could be a a transfer, it could be a a very specific moment in a game, it could be a very personal
1: moment for you, what would you choose? Um, I would go back to whoever the scout was. At our team that turned down Virgil van Dyke for saying he was too slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: I didn't know that was the case. Oh yeah. my
0: god, yeah, yeah.
1: We uh, That's we uh, we, uh, we went and scouted Virgil van Dyke, and our, our scout came back and went, Yeah, he's just not fast enough and not able to keep up, <laughs> keep up with the game. <laughs> so, we, we could have had uh, Virgil van Dyke. Um, arguably,
0: he would have got instead of Scott down, wouldn't he, into your all-time Palace eleven? Oh, well, even if he,
1: even if he just all he did was turn up, smoke a spliff outside the <laughs> stadium and leave,
0: he's, he's arguably one of the
1: best defenders, apart from maybe John Terry and Vidic, probably one of the yeah. best defenders in a in a Prem there's ever ever been. I, that's up there with uh, Blackburn turning down Lewandowski for three million. Do you know yeah,
0: that? Yeah, yeah, I think Didn't they? Turn, I think they turned down Zidane as well. Maybe that's an urban myth oh, as well. Yeah, yeah, I know they turned down Lewandowski. Yeah. Liverpool turned down Eric Cantona, so that's that's one that really stinks. Graham C. Ness was manager oh at the time. God. Yeah, those are those. Are, but this every club not, has that, every so yeah. yeah every, every club has one of those, isn't it? Yeah, this is
1: the thing I always think with them is they might have turned them down at a point when they weren't yeah fully developed. They weren't. <laughs>
2: My <laughs> He has just well, brought in
0: two massive pints of beer. <laughs> I think this is going to have to be the third thank time you. I praise you on this podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, I should say, as well, genuinely, we're about to wrap up. Thank you for hosting. this. you been so absolutely much. Absolutely amazing. No, nah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Bloody yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting. I'm not. Yeah, sure I'm, I'm going to finish that. I'm this not going be drinking pint pint in a minute.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I that would be what I'd I'd do that or or. If I could do anything, I would. Uh, I might be uh, Joel Ward during uh, that United game because he almost stopped the goal going in when uh, United equalised. Oh, the zero, FA Cup right? final. Yeah, so, well, yeah. just, just a little to your right, Joel <laughs> uh, would be. But yeah, no, I think it would be turning down, turning down Virgil yeah. van Dijk is. Uh, it's probably a huge. You know, the club would be very, very different if we'd had that. Oh, I would have wasted a seventy-five million on. <laughs> You'd have come to Palace and would have ended up, you know... Waited, we'd have got 75 million for him, and then we'd have ended up spending 45 million of it on hot dogs or something. <laughs> you know, we, ne- we never buy good, we never spend money well. We always make money and then don't know how to spend it. Yeah. <laughs> end up I remember after we sold Zaha and we had 15 million quid, it was like, what are we going to spend it on? And they went, We've now got the right and bright bar. And I turned to my mate Matt and went, Good to see we spent the Zaha money well. <laughs> We've we got no players for the bread.
2: <laughs> We've got some lovely <laughs> hot dogs, <right>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All they
1: done is painted red and blue strips in a bar. It wasn't. It wasn't like any actual. But yeah, no. That, that's what I do. That's that's what I do. Get.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, Palace's loss has very much been Liverpool's gain. Yeah. As, a, as a Liverpool fan, that absolutely enjoy watching um, watching Virgil Van Dijk play football, and it's been a joy speaking to you as well, mate. Uh, yeah. Elliot Steele, thank you very, very, very much. Can I
1: just plug? I do a podcast with yeah, a go comedian, for it, absolutely. A comedian, a very good friend of mine, Michael, Oduale, called a uh, B Tech Philosophers. But don't come into it thinking there's going to be any you're going to learn anything about philosophy. This is morons talking shit with a sort of philosophical viewpoint. Don't don't like some people have been like, this isn't about, this isn't good philosophy. It's not meant to be. Please don't. <laughs> it is not serious. Yeah. We've had a few people messages going on. Yeah, I've got a philosophy degree and this doesn't,
0: this is nothing. Right <laughs> well. I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. Idiot. Like it's. it's we're comedians. Yeah, we're comedians. It's a joke. No, actually, Check that out. And, uh, yeah no, thanks again mate thank you so much cheers. and let's drink these beers these oh, massive a,
1: beers thank you I don't want to yeah. cheers over your Mac yeah. <laughs> just ruin the yeah. whole podcast delete <laughs> the whole thing nice one cheers thank Elliot you say that you love me say you love me all of the time
0: all of the
2: time you say that